correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. radio.com Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and MapsOfMastery.com. What's up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and for those who may be tuning in for the very first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, and welcome to it, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And um, taking hiatus tonight is Mr. GM Dave, but we wish him well, um, and a uh, bit, bit, under, bit under the weather for him today, but we are still in good form, of course, with our other amazing co-host who will be gracing our, our airwave presence this evening. And that would be a Mr. GM Phil. What is up, home slice? Not much. Greetings and seasons. Greetings to all out in Gamer Nation land. Tis the time. Tis the season. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year. Reason for the season? It's your favorite time of the year? It is. It is. I, 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 I'm a sucker for Christmas. I'm a sucker for the holidays. I love the lights. I love the music. I love the songs. I love the whole festivities. It's, it's grand. You're one of those. I am. I am. But I try not to push my addiction on other people. <laughs> See, I spent so many years working and managing retail when I was in college. <laughs> yeah. That even though I've been out of it for so long, I like, I just, I, my, my left eye twitches when the holiday starts, and I just can't tell you why. It just happens. And I start finding becoming irritable and grouchy. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I get that, I, which is why I don't push my sickness on others. Probably, pre- yes, probably wise. I, yeah, I should be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Uh, how are you, Chris? Good, man. I'm good. I'm just super, super busy. Um, yeah, I've, I can tell. Work's been crazy. I, I've got like I have my 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 evenings have been non-existent. Um, all the work mm-hmm. I've needed to get done has been non-existent. I've got I've got family in town. Um, actually, my mother-in-law just underwent surgery, so she's staying with us for a little while, and so my house is just insane. And sure. um, it's yeah. So a night like this, where I can just lock myself in the office and just do this is worth everything to me <laughs> must do the show must do show hey guys yeah i'm sorry i gotta go do my show yeah y'all have fun okay yeah that's great <laughs> did, did chris just lock the door <laughs> <laughs> i'm set man i got a coke bottle in here i guess i gotta pee i'm just i'm good good to go i'm good <laughs> good to go oh god <laughs> All right, Speaking you want to of going? Yes, let's 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 do that. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements. That's it. Starting with the featured podcast of the week, The Gathering of Dorks. D20 
Radio's newest live play podcast series, on with the recent release of episode 14, the second part of their playthrough of the D&D Horde of the Dragon Queen adventure. Mm. This is a great live play show with a funny group of guys, and if you haven't played 5th edition yet, this episode, and obviously the one previously, really give you some insight into the system. So go give it a listen, and uh, as an aside, good job boys, please keep it up. And you can find The Gathering of Dorks and many other great podcasts over at www.d20radio.com. Word. I, uh, it's a, they're, they're a funny group and definitely not safe for work. <laughs> no. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like one of their helmers is, uh, is the, um, uh, the very eponymous poop grinder on our forums <laughs> who's been around for a while. <laughs> and that dude is funny. <laughs> while he's funny, I just can't get by his avatar name. Yeah, well. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good show. Oh. <sighs> So, Star Wars news. Um, it keeps coming, the Episode 7 stuff. Um, so, I gotta say, Phil, this tugged at my heartstrings because as a small child, I remember getting a set of and finding them, even though they were already had been in print for several years, the old Topps Star Wars trading cards. Yes. Um, that they obviously released way back when, um, you know, with the original films. And so, in this is one of the one of the most savvy marketing ploys I've seen the new Lucasfilm do. Um, mm. That actually should should hearten you because it tells you how much in touch they are with their fan base. Right. They released online a bunch of these done in that old school tops trading card style um, trading cards for a lot of the new characters and scenes that we see from the episode seven trailer that we spent twenty minutes analyzing last episode. Um, <laughs> Um, they released them on Entertainment Weekly, um, and it was one of those things that, like, I mean, think, think about the this the sheer brilliance of this film, because what they've done is they're releasing material about the film and telling you some of the characters' names, but by the same token, they are also, like, showing you, oh yeah, you old school folks, we're with you. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it's just, it's subtly brilliant. Um but uh, dude, I mean, they they released all they released these cards, and the big the big ones, of course, were the, the named characters. What do we what do we what do we got? Yeah, well, let's see. First of all, I want to give you folks a warning of spoiler alert. Um, if you're trying to uh, just keep everything off the table until the movie comes out, or until something comes by that you just can't ignore, um, stop down for like five, maybe ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, so what they've got is John Boyega's card. They got the cards for all the characters. If it was a face character and it appeared in the trailer, they got a card. Even if it was uh, one you didn't see his face. Well, true, true. So the <laughs> character, well, regardless, John Boyega's card reads Finn on the Run. It just as Finn it doesn't clarify anything else. Could be Finn Calrissian, Finn Solo, Finn Skywalker. We don't know. Finn anybody, but. His name, John Boyega's character's name is Finn. That's awesome. I like that. I love, I love it. I love it. Similarly, Daisy Ridley's character, this, that her speeder rider is named Ray, R-E-Y. Again, could it be Ray Solo? Could it be Ray Skywalker? We don't know. The only person who actually, well, not the, the only person we saw their face for who did get a full name is Oscar Isaac's X-Wing pilot. Name is Poe Dameron. Interesting. Poe. Mm. It's very interesting. Um, a character who got some actual FaceTime and uh, a lot of controversy over his existence is the rolling droid BB-8. 
I, I'm sorry. I love that. That is a perfect droid uh, designation for that droid. Yes. I mean, you know, because it, it, it flows off the tongue well, BB, you know. It's, yep. it's, it's you know, BB-8. It's, it's great. And apparently that wasn't a special effect. That was a practical effect. Huh? That droid was physically rolling across that screen. That was an actual object. Really? Yes. Mark Hamill and I believe J.J. Abrams were talking about how BB-8 would be rolling around the set and they'd get to be playing with him somehow. Well, they've got like USB robots like yep. that have that same gyro technology, and they're only like fifty bucks. <laughs> I mean, we can't see the front of it, so we one has to, one could easily assume that it's not really a full complete ball. That there is, in fact, a kind of a a, a gap there in the middle where each two sides could independently spin and he could turn and pivot and you know, something along those lines. Um, I can't wait to see what the R2 Builders Club comes up with first trying to recreate him. Dude, that, oh, wow. That, I can't wait to see more. Yep. Um, wow. And uh, finally, the last character to get a card, uh, the villain wielding what's being dubbed as Sith Caliber, <laughs> is named Kylo Ren. Awesome Star Wars name. Yeah, that is that is a pretty boss name. Uh, and we might be seeing a situation where a character gains their Darth title and name during the movies, kind of like Anakin did in the prequels, because it would make sense. The Darths are dead. They're all gone, supposedly. True. Um, so the next generation of Darksiders and Dark Lords of the Sith need to come in of their own and, and hopefully gain their own Darth name. Hmm. Interesting. As in another side point, apparently all these cards and the numbering that went along with them, because some of like um, John Boyega's card was number 76, and there was like 14 and a few other numbers in there. J.J. Uh, Abrams said that the numbers that the cards were assigned mean something. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, rampant speculation, you know, because, you know, you can't release something like this and, and not give us something else to rampantly speculate about. Marketing genius. Yeah, 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 dude, that's just absolutely crazy. Um, okay, so Star Wars news, FFG news, stay on target. It's been on the boat for like forever. Um, <laughs> uh, is on target for a December twenty third release. Woohoo! Sneaking it in there right in time for the holidays. <laughs> um. And there was our, obviously a recent update article they had with Vehicles and Beasts from the upcoming book. Um, there was the AV-21 Speeder, um, which I remember from Galaxies. Back when I, I, remember Galaxies. You, I remember finally earning that sucker. It was, big, was, like, it was a big deal. It was a big, big deal. Um, uh-huh. uh, the very obscure H-Wing Fighter Bomber. I know it was seen in like one issue of of um, yeah. I want to say Star Wars Adventures. We're from not, we're not going to get our E-Wings, but we're going to get the H-Wing. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll hold that comment because of something we saw late, something we found later on. But keep going. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so uh, obviously the the Clone Wars veteran A three Nimbus the v, the V wing, you know that uh, that that classic Clone Wars fighter. Um, sure. And it also mentions three starfighter carriers. Um, mm. uh, but we but we don't know what do we? No, we don't. Um, you know, speculation could be maybe we'll finally get stats for the escort carrier, mm. uh, or maybe the venator because because they've got the uh, the V wing in there. Maybe yeah, we'll get stats get for venator. a venator. Yeah, ooh, that'd be cool. Um, so what else we got? Uh, well, there was a, a quartet of Tie fighters. I mean, including the cloak equipped Tie Phantom. Ah! <laughs> um, which I mean, I homebrewed a year and a half ago because I needed it. You know what I mean? 
Oh, um, yep, yep, that's right. You did. Uh, so I, I, I'm glad. Dead man's to, hand. Man, I'm glad to get some actual stats for it. Of course, the one I homebrewed was supposed to be experimental, so the the cloaking uh, was was okay. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, what else? Tie Hunter, maybe the Tie Avenger, the Oppressor. Right. Uh, I mean, this book seems to be drawing a bit from Star Wars Galaxies anyway. Um, and there were some really neat tie variants introduced in that game. So mm. maybe we'll get some of them. Maybe we'll get some of those. Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, okay, so what else was in the article? Um, they had... Uh, beast uh, mounts. The beast mounts, yes. Yes. Um, Narglak from Naboo, and as we mentioned in Star Wars Galaxies, they finally got their on-screen official presence as the mounts of Tal's in the Clone Wars. That's right. Yep. That's right. Uh, and Rupings, um, you see these graceful soaring reptiles from Onderon. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you're doing a if, if you're doing a book on beast riding, you better be talking about Onderon at some point. Yeah, it's got at least earned a mention somewhere. Yeah, and they had like a ton of other beasts though, beast mounts they had in there. Yes, um, yes, I mean, absolutely. It was like Tauntauns, Banthas, the Famba. Um, yep, they, that's what they announced in the uh, in the the news. So we'll see all these mounts appear, which. If you look through the books, it, it, there's kind of been a real void of some of the iconic uh, beast character uh, beasts out there. Yeah, um, one has to wonder. You know, they've, they've, I think they've given us some token ones and and, and some some spread across a couple uh, adventure books, but you know, like the uh, like the Bantha. Yeah, I don't think we've gotten the Tauntaun yet. We definitely haven't gotten anything from Naboo. No, like the no. Narglaches and the Fambas. Naboo hasn't um, even been mentioned in any way. Nope. No, so no Kedu, no, nothing like that. No. So maybe we'll start getting some of these. Maybe they were saving them for this. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so you uh, mentioned something about an E-wing. What did I miss? In the uh, in the the news article, there is a picture there of an E-wing being chased by two Tie hunters. Uh, the Tie hunters are those Tie fighters that've got the uh, expanding X foils, just like the X-wing does. Right. Uh, they're being chased through this wrecked. Battle, you know, this ancient Rex uh, uh, field, uh, star field, filled with all these destroyed Venator star destroyers and some destroyed uh, Lucra Hulk droid control ships. So the fact that the E Wing is there and that the E Wing is also prominently featured in their X Wing uh, table game, and the fact that this is a book on aces, I, I think that we might get an E Wing. Maybe. I'm looking at the picture now. There it is. I see it. Yeah. Huh. I must they, be blind. They, they tend not to uh, they tend not to show things like that and then, you know, like this is art for the book or art from the book and then like have it be something else entirely, which is why I think the smugglers are getting uh, Feline, for instance, and and Gotal. Huh. Uh, when that comes up, but they haven't now, of course, they haven't announced the races yet. Um just rampant speculation on my part because that's what we do during this period of the show. Right. Um, but I think we're getting anyway, and the Tie Hunter. Now, when the book comes out, Austin Catan's in chat right now, and he says, "You know, you of course have to build a character. You know, whose name is Mark Singer. You know, the, the Beastmaster. Of course, you know, you you got to, you, you just got to. Um, yep, <laughs> it's good stuff. I cannot wait for the book to come. Should be fun. Should, uh, be fun. Should only be like a matter of a week or two. Too. I know it's what's even more exciting. So I feel like it's been forever since I've gotten a book. Um, yeah, because they released they they released a, a couple books at at Gen Con proper, but yeah. then we haven't had anything Nothing, since. Not a zip. So I'm anxious to get it. So yay! Thank you, FFG. Um, <laughs> social media plug time, uh, boys and girls and Padawans. Stay in the know by following D20 Radio on Facebooks for news, 
podcast info and other bits of uh, community wisdom on a daily basis. You can also follow us on Twitter at D20 Radio, um, which retweets all the tweets from our individual accounts where you can also follow us at uh, GM Chris or at Darth GM. Um, and we post and tweet show info and announcements regularly if you want to watch the show live, as many others do and are doing so right now. Huzzah! Um, so, yes, it's there. Uh well, Phil, I think it's time we stop down for a good minute for what I am very proud to uh, to call our regular segment, um, SWRPG Adventures, the most informative 140 characters or less on the internet. Let's do it. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week. Brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. On Naboo, a deadly colo clawfish is seen at the Kadara Beach in the height of tourist season. The mayor hires the PCs to quietly find it and stop it. This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week. Brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas and 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! To the meat of the show, Filbert. Tonight, we return to our semi-regular segment, Well, Isn't That Special, for something that... Dude, we've waited just far too long to cover this. Yeah, I suppose we have. Uh, And we've had over two freaking years to get to this, but something just kept holding... Just, I mean, speaking for me, something kept holding me back. Okay. Um, I think it may have been a curiosity and a desire to see the Force in all its full-fledged glory. Um, and now that the F&D beta is out, I, I, I say I can do so. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. Um, but even still, something has just kept me from digging into the Force-sensitive exile. I mean, this was the first of the universal specs to appear in print. Um, it's kind of an odd duck. And maybe that's why we left it in exile. <laughs> you know? True. True. Um, maybe fear of force use kept me away. You know, I, I, I kind of wanted to see how it would how it would stand up to a pure primary force using spec, such as those found in you know FAD. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we know. Um, you know. We can we can see where it fits and how it really can be best used. Um, so you know, Phil and I were talking about this and and uh, kind of talking about our upcoming show topics. And this was requested a very 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 long time ago. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we just kind of have been biding our time, and I think unjustly. The, the bottom line is that the time for the exile of the exile has passed. Um, this useful build option has just gone underappreciated for far too long. And I want to talk about that because it really it even goes underappreciated by the people who spec into it. Sure. Um, and I think it's one of the coolest cross specs out there. So I really want to dig into it. Grab your hooded cloaks, Gamer Nation your fear of the Empire, and remember, this isn't the Force user you're looking for. As we dig into the Force-sensitive exile on tonight's Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? 
In my book, experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Well, isn't that special? Yes. <laughs> All right, dude. Force sensitive exile. Yes. So the Force sensitive exile can be found on page 276 of your Edge of the Empire core rulebook uh, back in the Force chapter. Mm. It was our first glimpse of a universal specialization, which we got more tastes of with the Force sensitive emergent and the recruit in Age of Rebellion. And a spec which has no career, but is part of all careers. Yeah. This means it's always considered a career specialization, so you don't have to shell out the extra 10 XP to cross-spec into it. You can buy it as if it was part of your career. Um, it also, like the Force-Sensitive Emergent, but unlike the Recruit, has zero bonus career specialization skills. Hmm. Initially. It w- yeah. Yeah. Now, that's harsh, but... The big thing is, is you, you gain force rating one. Yeah. Taking the spec or emergent or starting in one of the force and destiny careers is the only way to become force sensitive in the game at this time. Now, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't think I am. But at least according to the sidebars we've seen from Age of Rebellion and even in Force and Destiny Beta and what the devs have told us, you know, you can't double up. Your, your first force sensitive spec gets you a free force rating of one. Other than that, you have to get the talents to increase your force rating. Correct, because if you notice and read, it says you gain Force Rating 1. Just like how they talk about in other things where it says you gain Defense 1 or you gain um, you, you, you gain whatever number. You, that's not adding to Force Rating. So you can't take Force Sensitive Emergent if you already have Force Sensitive Exile and expect to immediately gain Force Rating 2. Because both of those careers, when you both of those specializations, when you first take them, state that you get force rating one right so that means that you would get the better of the two right which is one <laughs> um now because of this i mean the, the, you mentioned this whole for, you know the the, you, the the big deal about this thing is yes you get a force rating of one haha this is the only way you can become force sensitive like you said right sure so i guess man because of that i've seen so many players just like treat the 20 xp cross spec cost as just like the cost for force sensitivity. I mean, yep. they, they they take it and just like ignore the specialization talents, just pumping all their XP into juicy, juicy force powers. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. If that's your build, but gods, you're missing out on so much more. This is a serious disservice to the specialization, as we'll see, and it contains some superb talents in its own right that assist numerous other core career specializations and character concepts. Yeah. Um, I mean, you said it right there. I mean, the the Force-sensitive exile in its own right has a lot of power. I mean, but the thing is, it has a flavor too, right? Yeah. And and you know, we we see a very different flavor with the emergent, and obviously tons of different flavors in the full you know force using career specs in uh, in Force and Destiny. But right. the, the force sensitive exile is about being a force user, but but not having people find out about it. <laughs> 
in some cases, not even really knowing about it yourself. Yeah, potentially, yes. Or, or you don't even say it's the force, you know, if it's something cultural, you know. I mean, right. you, know, uh, you know, a backwards culture who's like, you know, oh, we have mystics and holy men, you know. They're, they're force users, and we know that, but they just think, oh, I have magic, right? Yes, um, precisely. So, I mean, that's, you know, th- th- there, there is that. But um, you use the force as in force-sensitive exile, but you have this goal of, of you know, if, if you're even aware of what you are, assuming you are aware of right. what you are, that you have a goal of remaining hidden, undetected, and then reacting quickly and lethally if you are detected, and mm. perhaps most importantly, surviving whatever comes your way. Right, because... This is the post-Order 66 era. Right. Being a Force user is a death sentence across the vast majority of the galaxy. Or at least if you do it in, within sight of the current ruling government. Well, even if you're not in the Imperial space, most outer room folks of any intelligence are going to sell your ass out to the imps for a paycheck faster than you can say Inquisitor. So, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> even, even if the current ruling government doesn't have a problem with it, um, you know, they're not above making a buck. No. <laughs> no, which which is a death sentence. I mean, when you or get or avoiding imperial entanglements, yes, could be their motivation for turning you in too. Exactly, you're gonna get us all killed. Yes, so I mean that that's that's where the flavor of this this sits. Okay, and it's really important to note that, especially as we talk about the the archetypes of this build and kind of what it's structured to let you do. Um, and if you're really looking to make a force user who lives that sort of force user in hiding mentality, this is yeah. what the spec was designed to do. Exactly, the name of the the name of the specialization is force sensitive exile. Right, you're supposed to be living on the fringe of society, trying to keep yourself and your powers out of notice. Exactly. Um, so I want to talk about the spec in and of itself. You know, we're sure. not gonna, we know, obviously we're not going to spend time talking about their skill set because oh yeah, they don't have one. <laughs> don't have one. Um, they they really don't have one. I know we'll kind of dig into that in, in a bit, but um. All right. You know, I, I kind of want to dig into the talents because I think people read them and go, oh, that's neat. And then they just kind of ignore them. Right. But I think there's <sighs> some something really valid here. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, like like most of the uh, the specializations that we've reviewed here, um, they've had two archetypes, two certain feels about them. And the four sensitive exile really isn't that much different from from the other specializations in that regard. There are two different paths you can sort of take down. But. The Force Sensitive Exile also has, or rather it's important to note that, with a couple exceptions, these archetypes rarely provide an entire shtick on their own. You know, you, you talk about the Politico's rhetoric chain, or the tirade chain, yeah. or the mercenary soldier's command line, or the the the, uh, the sniper chain. Yeah, like you take these talents and you all of a sudden have a, a series of actions or shticks that make you hyper-effective in this one area. Right. These the talents in this tree won't make you as flashy as the other characters. These talents are designed to be more subtle or to augment other trees in your first career spec. Uh. And that's the important thing to take in, in, into account when you look at this tree. It's that these are supplements. Not only are they supplements, but they're boosts and and benefits and, right. and, and ways to enhance your 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 main your character's uh, your character's main career and specialization spec in different ways than you would by just normally sticking with that specialization. Right. Okay, so you said there are two main archetypes, dude. I mean, what would you consider to be the first one? Okay. The, the two main trees that we'll talk about is, first is the reader or the social archetype. This lives primarily in the two left columns of the tree. 
The set of talents focuses on remaining undetected and influencing people, ideally to keep them from knowing that you're force sensitive. Right. Um, this is really the only way that you gain. This is also the path that really only gains you the two career skills from this tree, and that's the insight talent that you can buy at the top of the chart on column two. That right. gets you uh, perception and discipline as career skills. Right. Handy, especially if you do plan on going into actually using the force later on. Right. But it can also come into play a little bit later, and I'll, I've, I've got something that, that actually synergizes very well with later on. Ooh la la. Uh, you also get two ranks of uncanny senses. Sense da- you get a rank of sense danger and a rank of street smarts. All will help keep you from being discovered and will help you get out of trouble by making sure that you're never in trouble to begin with. Now, you talk about insight, man. It's like, yep. instead of just making discipline a bonus skill... The choice of making it a talent, to me, really represents the fact that this build might represent someone with no overt force training. Right, because it's not linked to anything. It just sits there in and of itself. You can buy it for five, and if you want it, or you can just ignore it and not slow your progression down by not taking it. Right, but I mean, but the arguments I've heard online have been like, you know, well, it's like, you know, well, if you just made a career skill, you know, then at that point it is, it becomes a career skill for you, right? Right, you, yeah. You know, why waste the 5 XP? Well, one, it's a little balancing for the Force. And two, having access to discipline as a career skill means typically that you're undergoing this regimented set of strictures that are part of your training. And that's not necessarily the case here. So if you're wanting to play someone who truly is not aware of their Force sensitivity, why would they have discipline as a career skill? Unless they, they chose to undergo an action to start learning it, which is what taking right. the talent would represent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, because like you say, it opens the door to all these different force powers um, that require it. So, yeah, especially move. <laughs> yeah. And the more interesting parts of influence. Mm. So, here's the other things you get as well. You also get convincing demeanor, sense emotions, and overwhelm emotions, which all help you convince people that you're not a force user and not a threat. <laughs> These talents also make a very good liar and social character all around, which is something we'll come to in our build-off. <laughs> now, what else, do we, what else do we have in this tree, Chris? Well, the other side, um, which right. we, we kind of call the survivor, or, mm-hmm. um, or you could also say the runner, right? Sure. Um, uh, mainly, again, the right two columns of the tree. These talents really synergize into a concept that is about fast reaction to danger and dangerous situations and coming through them alive when they happen. <laughs> um, forager um, and a rank of street smarts are, are handy talents to help keep you alive in the wilds of the big city or the wilds of the wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know they're handy. Um, you know, but as you continue to go down that that does that right hand side, you get two ranks of uncanny reaction, quick draw, and intense focus, and possibly, in my personal opinion, the nicest talent in the tree for the cost: um, touch of fate. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, once a session, two boost to any check you make. Why? Because the force. <laughs> because <laughs> um, reasons. Because the reasons. Because the force. Um, you know, all those th- talents, they ensure that you're never going to find yourself surprised or unable to run um, or fight yeah. back before folks get the drop on you. Those talents are about reacting quickly, moving quickly, being very vigilant, and getting your weapon to bear very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, it- it's there. Um, the only other talent very, very quickly the other way. <laughs> yes. Um, the only other talent that uh, uh, is really a part of that archetype is balance. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a, a bit of a, a unusual compared to the others. Um, and it's kind of a unique talent in that it lets you burn strain for extra maneuvers um, or intense focus um, and, and then get it back e- easily. You know, but in other words, you know, with balance, you can run longer and harder than others and you can survive better. That's um, really the benefit. No, balance lets you get back more strain after combat. Yeah. Oh, I see. What you're, okay, yeah. So by burning strain to get those extra maneuvers, balance helps you get it back after combat faster. Yes, more easily. Exactly. Yes. Um, gotcha. You know, and, and and plus, considering that balance comes right after intense focus, um, you know, you can use strain on intense focus, um, and you know, you're guaranteed to get it back quicker after combat's over. You know? Technically, it's the other way around. Oh, you oh, can't that, get that, insight. Am I, rem- am I remembering incorrectly? Yeah, you have to go through. Now on the chart. Insight is cheaper. It's at 10, and balance is at 15. However, to get to intense focus, you have to go down and hook back. So you have to go back up through balance and then get to intense focus. So you get balance first, then you get intense focus, and then you're burning intense focus every session. Yes. Or every every encounter. Every encounter, yes. Thank you. Because why not? (laughs) I had had them switched. Um, So good. Yes, but... So so there's that, okay? Now... um, but the, but the point is is what I'm saying is help to help keep you alive. You can burn that strain. You can burn it quick, knowing that you're going to get it back at the end of the encounter. If you truly have, if you are on the run, I mean, you could be days without rest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to be forced to make those checks um, to recover strain after each encounter, um, without really having the downtime to properly recover all your strain in a meaningful manner. So right. so it, it just really it it matters. It becomes important. Now before we talk about the bottom row, Phil. Yes. Um, you know, as a note, like this tree is unusually constructed. It is. Um, it really is. It really is because if you look at it, like for both of the archetypes we just discussed, both those sticks, you got to go down, over, and then come back up, and it means you really got to get some XP under your belt to dig into this. But once you get to this certain threshold, which is like you know, uncanny re- senses on one side, uncanny reactions on the other. At that point, right. it's like you're going up to gain really cool abilities at a reduced XP cost. I mean, right? You know, and and I, you know, I mean, you know, because the bottom tree before we talk about it is really cool. You could take those twenty five XP talents and take that twenty five XP and pop it into two talents straight up either path that both rock. So absolutely, they rock. I mean, so it's it's kind of interesting, and I. It, it's an interesting design choice that kind of, to me, represents sort of getting a stronger grip on your force capabilities and, and letting yeah. one chain into the other quickly. I've really ne- We also really never see another talent tree in any of the books that kind of mirrors this. Mm-mm. Some that are close, but nothing like this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Now, the other really interesting thing about this tree is the connectivity of the bottom row, which is very rare. But talk, talk, yeah. to, talk to me about the bottom row, man. I mean, because... So- once you get to the bottom row, it's it's a straight shot across it. So if you go down on if you go down the survivor or the runner, and you go all the way down to superior reflexes, which is an incredible talent. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with plus one melee defense, and unlike force rating that we talked about at the beginning, that is plus one. It's spelled out. Yeah, it it stacks with everything. You can then go for the low low cost of seventy five XP to dedication for twenty five. Force rating talent to get that second rank of force to get that second uh, ability in force rating, mm-hmm. and then to superior reflexes, well loved cousin, 
Sixth Sense and gain plus one ranged defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an incredible bottom row. I don't know of, I mean, I was I was doing a quick flip through, um, but I don't know of any of the bottom rows that have a straight connection like that all the way across. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't know of many either. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the fastest way from, I mean, it, it, now granted, you got to drop 20 XP just to get to the spec, but once, sure. you, but once you get there, that is the fastest route to get to the bottom row and then get every talent in the bottom row than I think yeah. any tree provides. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Buy down, buy over. I mean, there you go. Ooh, it's, it's just, especially when you look at the force and destiny, it's like, you know, force rating and, uh, dedication are usually nowhere near close to each other. But I mean, with, what this is saying is that I'm one good session away from getting from after I get force rating increase or dedication increase, I'm one good session's worth of XP away from getting the other one. Yeah, exactly. When does that happen? Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So 150 XP into this tree and you're 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 talking a force rating, a dedication and a bump to both of your defenses. That's insane. Plus four other talents that, you know, depending on your character build, whichever whichever way you decide to go, whether the uncanny reactions down to touch of fate or the uncanny senses down to sense danger, whichever way you go, it's not a loss. I mean, yeah, it's 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 awesome. I don't know why people don't dive into this tree with wild abandon. Well, they're not for the most part, they're not sexy talents. They're support they're supportive. They augment other talents you have from other specs, right? And that's the thing, because while these abilities are really useful, they they shine when combined with other talents and primary specs or other other skills gained from primary career and specializations. So dude, I want to dig into those, okay? You know, All right. we talk about career combos. What makes sense? What doesn't? Now, as we are wont to do, and to keep this show from being four hours long, right. we're going to spend some quality time in the source book where the Force ex- Sensitive Exile is found. <laughs> um, makes sense. And then uh, we're going to touch um, on, on the rest. You know, a- AOR specifically. I think it's right. kind of pointless to talk about how this synergizes with Force and Destiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because we don't we don't know yet. Well, not to mention it's there. I mean, it's it's. I w- I would honestly say it doesn't. You have no reason to go. <laughs> I mean, th- there is. You know, if you want to be force sensitive, there's a lot more you can get from those core specs there than True. here. Than here. And don't hold me to that. Okay, but uh, you know, it, it, it's there. But when we talk about Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, there's a lot of good synergy you can find. Yeah. So okay, man. Talk to me about. Um, I mean, let's go through the main careers in in uh, in Edge of the Empire. I mean, talk to me about Bounty Hunter. What I mean, any anything decent here? Sure. Uh, well, hidden force abilities can really benefit any Bounty Hunter spec, such right. as the Uncanny Senses and Uncanny Reactions. Sense Danger is handy too, but getting through it via convincing demeanor is costly—a little too costly. Yeah. Force-sensitive exile is also a path to quick draw, meaning you could avoid it in the bounty hunter tree, and that leads you to some to the exceptional touch of fate. <sighs> so most bounty hunters would really gain a benefit by going the right side of the tree. I mean, those three talents that convincing demeanor, quick draw, touch of fate. I mean, we talk about all this. I, I have a hard time thinking there isn't a single spec that couldn't benefit from that. No, not at all. I mean, convincing demeanor, but, you know, just spending that 5 XP to then move into quick draw and that touch of fate? Come on now. 
Well, convincing demeanor is over on the left. It's it's uncanny oh. reactions, which is the vigilant, the bonus to vigilance. Oh yes, yes. So that's yes, why yes, yes, yes. that's why bounty hunters go on the right because you want to go first. Yes, yes. As we'll see later on. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but all aspects of the bounty hunter career can benefit greatly from two ranks of uncanny reactions, sixth sense, and superior reflexes. Yeah. But thematically, and from a talent standpoint you find some great synergy with the survivalist mm, build. Yeah. Uncanny Senses stands out strongly, as does Sense, Danger, and Touch of Fate, though you have to plow through some less-than-useful talents to get to them. Yeah, and it's worth noting, Forager is basically a worthless talent for you. Now, thankfully, it's not connected, but that's not a ranked talent, so there's no point in getting it twice. No, there right. is none. So I'm just, if you have to buy it, but it, actually, if you have to buy it later on, I can't remember where it is in the uh, – where is it in the Survivalist? Forager, Forager is the first one, so yeah. 5 XP. So either way, you're, you're, spending, you're spending 5 XP. Wherever you buy it, you buy it. It's there. Yeah. Whatever. Gets exactly. you access to Outdoorsman, which unfortunately – well, actually, no. So, so you don't have to buy Forager. So you can go through Stalker. You can go through Outdoorsman itself. You can just ignore Forager. It's kind of useless to you. You could. Unless you've got a real character concept going on. Yeah. But I'm going to talk more about Force-sensitive exiles and survivalists a little bit later. (laughs) Now, a side effect benefit may simply be access to the sense force power by picking up the Force-sensitive exile. If you do – if you are going to play a bounty hunter and you are going to go into the – you're going to pick up the Force-sensitive exile tree, do take a look at investing at least a few points into sense. Hmm. Uh, Buying sense and taking that first column to commit your single Force die – to upgrading two incoming attacks twice per round and upgrading those those attacks twice is mint. There are as much as I've had I've gotten the chance to play now over these years, these few years, I'm still convinced, even with the release of the new powers, even with AOR, Sense is the most powerful force power out there. It is obscene. It is absolutely obscene. Um if you if you spec it right, you build it right, you can be you can you can decimate anyone or anything with that power. Forty XP and one force rating. Yeah, and you're 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 basically giving yourself adversary two. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's a good way to put that. Yes, Cause, yes, because un- unless you really bring forth the ire of a GM or or some NPCs that the GM is controlling, how many times are you going to be attacked more than twice around? Uh. Yeah, it's going to be rare. Your GM really has to hate you, or the character that you're going up against is just like, everybody shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, you should be getting your ass behind some cover anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll we'll leave the bounty hunter aside for now. We'll come back to it later in a different form. But let's move on to the colonist. Ooh, the colonist. I love, I, I love the colonist. Um, and you get some really hidden links here when you come when you match the exile with some of these colonist careers. Well, talk to me about it. Okay. While gaining access to the influence force power is a huge boost to any face character. Exile gets you convincing demeanor, sense emotions, uncanny senses, overwhelm emotions. All of these are going to provide your colonist specs with a host of useful boosts, getting rid of setback dice Adding in successes through just in, uh, in inundating your target with mm-hmm. a, a, a emotion to c- 
come to you know to endear them to you or to back down from you. Yep. Sense emotions, adding a boost at all charm, coercion, and deception checks. What's wrong with that? Uh, not a darn thing. And uh, I, I mean, my my build focuses on a colonist spec, so like I'm Ooh. I'm all about this. Excellent. I, I now I know that your colonist spec is a little different than the one I'm going to talk about right now. But yeah. but if you take four sense of exile, and I'm going to jump out book, but not out of line. the realm here. Uh, not out of product line. Not out of the product line. There you go. Marshall. Mm-hmm. from Far Horizons. While we haven't dove deep into the Marshall spec yet, and folks, if you want us to, you should request it on our forums. www.d20radio.com slash forums. The Exile meshes incredibly well with the Marshall. Mm-hmm. Insight gives the Marshall discipline as a career skill for his hard-headed talents. That's one of the big weaknesses for the Marshall. Yep. I'm just like, why does he... Okay, he has hard-headed, but he doesn't discipline as a career skill? WTF, mate, WTF. Here's a way to get it. Mm-hmm. You can end up with three ranks of street smarts, so pretty fitting. much negating any setback dice on your on your uh, on so your list. So fitting. Quick draw in both trees, allowing you to skip over it in one of them, and in each case, it's a gateway talent to other specs uh, to other uh, talents in the tree. The good cop, bad cop talents they mix very well with convincing demeanor, sense emotions, and overwhelm emotions. Yes. And Sixth Sense and Superior Reflexes are a must when you have the time to get them. Yeah. Uh, if you pick up Sense and Influence when you have the time, and you've turned yourself into the ultimate Outer Rim Investigator and Lawman. Pretty much. Um, that's just wicked cool. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of synergy with also staying in that book particularly. I feel there's a great deal of synergy with the performer. But I'm going to dig into that entirely on its own because it's a key part of my build-off. So There you go. Now, I, I I will say, outside of like after after when, when I first reviewed this spec, when I first reviewed Force Sensitive Exile, sure. after looking at Colonist as like ooh that there's obvious synergy there. The next thing that ha- had obvious synergy for me was the Explorer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the, a, a lot of it. Now, a lot of res- a lot of specs have rapid recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's one of those things that if you really want to be a tough as crap Explorer. You know, balance for the additional strain recovery, okay, is just that much better. Um, You're going to be doing it anyway. You get bonuses from rapid recovery. Now you can also add that force die in and then get one or two more back. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, the, the, the Force of Exile gives you two more ranks in Street Smarts, um, you know, and it, it providing that talent for traders and fringers that can get up to four ranks, okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, forget the Marshal and his three ranks. You know, traders and fringers can get up to four ranks in Street Smarts if they cross spec. Right. Um, Scout, Uncanny Senses, plus Natural Hunter. Uh, hello. <laughs> oh, here's my massive perception roll. <laughs> now, hmm. you, you couple that with being one of the ultimate, um, like, like, oh, like, initiative machines. Uncanny reactions for yourself, and then heightened awareness on the scout side for your allies, and you have become the ultimate initiative machine for your party. Boosting your own initiative, your allies' initiative, everybody goes first. Yep, and um, again, keeping in line, but moving into uh, into into the, <laughs> into the unknown. Um, Big game hunter is worth calling out um, in that particular book, just um, because as it's kind of this survivalist of the explorer career. Um, Exile is going to boost the big game hunter in a lot of the same ways that we talked about with the survivalist up above. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a lot of similarities between the survivalist and the uh, and bounty hunters. Uh, um, I'm sorry, and the big game hunter spec. Yes, yes. 
Um, now, after Explorer, we have the Hired Gun. Right. Um, all of the Exile talents that affect combat can really help here. And we kind of mentioned this before. I mean, Upcanny yeah, reactions, exactly. Uncanny Reactions, Sixth Sense, Superior Reflexes, Quick Draw, all right. Touch, touch of, of Fate. Touch of Fate. Oh, my God. Okay, it's just epic. Um, sense Danger, removing some of that setback dice added in for a high defense opponent. That is really worth noting. It does not specify that Sense Danger is there. Uh, you know, it, it, it's the, oh, how can I, how can I put this? Uh, the, all the terminology is not used. Um, it does not it does not stipulate what the source of the setback, setback die, die is. To yes, they're not. It's not typed. It's not saying setback die due to environmental effects, right? Just look, two setback dice. Move it. Move it. Done. I mean, it's it's huge. Um, balance, as we've said, can help you recover strain at the end of the combat. Um, you know, it, talking about specific you know, for, for for all of the hired gun specs that that's really they're, they're all really going to all those talents are really going to fit in now looking at here and there a little boost here and there now for some specific specs we have the enforcer okay yes um and this is i think dangerous covenants um yep. this is a spec that gets some really handy boost from the exile um again much as above with enforcer plus exile you get four ranks of streetwise if you need it <laughs> uh street smarts street, street, uh, street smarts. smarts excuse me Thank you. Um, my typo there. Well, uh, well, well. Uh, my brain went where your where your brain went because it's what well, it affects the streetwise skill. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I use it primarily for streetwise checks and knowledge underworld. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the four ranks, four ranks and street smarts. You don't need four, Phil. True. But, but when you buy one on the exile tree, you can effectively ignore the other one and just kind of buy around it, basically. Yeah, you know, you get to three if you really want to be crazy. You don't really need four, but if you want to look at your GM and just go, just don't bother adding. Exactly. <laughs> and the GM's going to have to invent things to come up with enough setback dice to have there be one in your streetwise roles. Yes, yes. And they still should, because if you get to apply your talents, that's your fault. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, but what's the big thing? With what, what? What is the big thing that this... this the, the uh, yeah, exile gives enforcer. The big thing the exile gives enforcer is sense emotions and overwhelm emotions because of the enforcer's more social talents, intimidating specifically. Um, yes. Because you know, sense emotions and overwhelm emotions, you know, does apply to those influence checks, and it's you know, the, be, because the enforcer so heavily relies on that on coercion, um, it 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 matters. It's a huge help. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is it, it 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 that's 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 one of the ultimate builds there yeah. is you've got a career that is not only combat based but is also social based much like the marshal yep. so every aspect of the exile tree can fit into there yep yep so when we get to smuggler we've got another situation kind of like that while all the specializations in smuggler get a bump from the areas where we've talked about before. The scoundrel is the big winner thus far when it comes to specialization synergy. Now, who knows what fly casual will bring us. (laughs) But let's talk about scoundrel. Multiple ranks of convincing demeanor, meaning you can take all four or cherry pick the ones as you need to get through the tree. Much like street smarts, do you really need four ranks of convincing demeanor? Maybe, maybe not. So pick around as you need. Yep. Rapid reaction plus uncanny reactions means your team is likely to go first in combat. Sense emotions and overwhelm emotions are huge boosts to the scoundrel's skill options, both charm and deception. And you can buy quick draw for 5 XP in the scoundrel and skip over it as a 10 XP talent in exile to get touch of fate even faster. Can you do that? 
Yes, you can. When you buy an unranked talent, you ignore it. Later on, you are considered to have already earned the talent. My god, I've completely forgot that. Yep, so you buy Exile from Scoundrel, you get you you buy Uncanny Reactions, the first one in Universal in uh, Exile, and you are treated as already having quick draw and can go straight to Touch of Fate. That is huge. That's a 5 XP faster way to get to Touch of Fate. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's and I think wicked. Does quick draw, is quick draw a way to get through the tree in the in and of itself, or is it just sort of there? Oh, it's, okay. So for Scoundrel, it's just sort of there, so it's not like a gateway deeper into the tree. But, I mean, come on. You're going to buy quick draw anyway. Buy it for five. Why? Yeah. Why? 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 Why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? That just makes too much sense. My goodness. Exactly. My goodness. Now, what about te- what about the technician? <laughs> all right. So, of all the specializations and all the careers we've talked about up until this point, everyone seems to get a benefit directly. Right. Um, this may be the least impressive to career, car- least impressive career when it comes to exile matches, but the exile is still a good boost in many areas, as outlined above: touch of fate, sense danger, and intense focus specifically. They're handy. They're useful. Um, you're not going to gain uh, any real direct benefit to your your focus you're you're not going to be mm-hmm. a you're you're go, you're going to be a little bit of a better slicer but not like the scoundrel wins out with both social aspects or the marshal wins out with martial combat and 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 you know good cop bad cop and their things right. um but you know sometimes just being the force sensitive you know being a force sensitive mechanic can can be a benefit. I mean, your your magic with the with the mechanics. You're you're removing setback dice from any check you want. You're boosting other skills. Plus, you know, if you buy a move, it's handy to be your own engine lift in a pinch. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So you're not as much of a benefit, but you know, if it's if 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 it's your theme, if it's your 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 concept, you're not gonna make you're not gonna make much of a you're not gonna make a bad choice doing it. Yeah. Now, talking about Age of Rebellion, we do want to go into some honorable mentions here. Um, it's just sure. it's just important to note that all the careers and specs could get a benefit from the Exiles boost talents, like we've just said. All right, of course. But there are a few standout combos, and these combos are going to be very similar to the ones we've talked about, mostly because they have a lot of either similarly functioning talents or repeat talents. In some cases, trees. Um, exactly. Specifically, it's worth calling out the Commodore uh, due to his initiative boosting abilities. Um, I mean. You got a nearly guaranteed initiative win here, especially when you bring in what the exile can do for for vigilance checks specifically. Yeah, um, you know, beyond that, the diplomat and the agitator both very similar to the we talk about the politico, you know, and the and the, and the other colonist specs um, and the enforcer and the enforcer. Um, you know, the the exiles boost to social checks, coercion, charm, and deception specifically are going to be nothing but beneficial to the diplomat and the agitator. Um, and of course, the the spy's scout spec, which is identical to the explorer's scout spec, is going to provide the same synergies that we talked about with the explorer above. Um, so, very much worth noting there. Very much worth noting. And I think that brings us to a showdown. Oh lord! <laughs> we had some fun with this, guys. Um, so, uh, for those of you who may be tuning in and not have heard this before. Uh, when we do a Will Isn't That special segment, um, the hosts like to, to take our own stab at creating our own custom build. Um, you know, I, you know, if we're doing a core career spec, we have the option of staying entirely in the spec or or cross-specking, which we usually do. Um, in this case, we're 
have to cross spec. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, there is no XP limit or anything like that. The goal here is to take you through a character creation concept. Um, you know, tell you how much XP that's going to cost step by step and kind of what the total goal is. And when this is all said and done, we want to know which concept build you guys think is the best. After the show drops, um, those who are listening live, that'll be just here in an hour or two, maybe. Um, (laughs) um, You'll be able to get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Head to the Order 66 podcast message boards and find the thread devoted to this episode where we will have a poll and you will be able to pick your pick for the build of your choice now, so, i've been doing good up until last show last show you you pulled out ahead and got a win there yeah i i uh, i, I creamed your ass last show i'm just you saying. did you did i'm just you saying did. and i'm not making predictions but i'm gonna do it again tonight all right <laughs> so we'll we'll see we'll see buddy i have some i have some foresight into this issue i have some uh you know i'm, I'm like a i'm like a gand finesman i'm just i'm ahead of the curve well funny you should say that oh elucidate well, to the table today, I'm bringing Lorig Pagol, a Gand Feinsman. <laughs> the Edge of the Empire Core rulebook gives us just about everything we could want and need to make one of the most unique yet effective bounty hunter archetypes in the Star Wars universe, the Gand Feinsman. Using special rituals to locate and track down their prey with uncanny accuracy, Feinsman with Force Affinity can bring back the most elusive prey. With a growing force potential, Lorig is eager to start locating prey and increasing his personal and clan honor. Now, according to lore, not all Gand Feinsmen are force-sensitive, but the most effective ones are. Yep. So, we start with the race. Specifically Gand. Duh. (laughs) Well, okay, now, you're the lore monkey here, man. Do the Feinsmen ever train non-Gand? From what I've been able to tell, no. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't be one of those rare exceptions, right? That which which could be a really really fun character concept to play. It could could. I mean, it would need a hell of a backstory. Oh yes, oh yes. And with some of my PCs, I could see them doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so starting with Gand and taking the need for a rebreather for some well needed XP, we buy his agility up to 3 and his cunning up to 3 for a total of 60 XP. Not only does he have to find his quarry, but unless he plans to have his allies make the capture for him, he needs to have some good ability with a blaster. An increase to cunning will help out with his perception and tracking skills. Now, Gand have a presence of 1, and for this build I really didn't see any reason to buy it up. <laughs> no, no. He's not much of a talker, he doesn't have to be. So... Moving over to the career, we start in Bounty Hunter. Also, duh, but I suppose you could also do this with a scout. For a solid mix of tracking and combat skills, mixed in with a talent tree that really emphasizes tracking your prey more than killing them or using an excessive amount of gear to combat them, I chose the specialist tree. Finesmen find their prey and likely are able to get the drop on them, removing the need for lethal weapon talents or heavy armor with heavier artillery strapped to it. For his career skills, I took piloting space, ranged heavy, streetwise, and vigilance. Bounty hunters need to travel from system to system, and even finesmen need to be able to put an ear to the street to locate their prey. Ritual results will only get you so far. Specialization skills, I chose perception and survival. Needed and necessary skills for any bounty hunter, but especially for this Mm -hmm. one. 
Now, I only took one talent from the Bounty Hunter tree, and that was Expert Tracker for 5 XP. The focus of this build is tracking and finding targets. Expert Tracker allows Lorig to make that last step a lot faster and to remove setback die that hinder his attempts. Mm. For 20 XP, I'm still in character creation XP here. For 20 XP, we buy Force Sensitive Exile, the reason we're talking about this today. Uncanny senses and uncanny reactions for five each. These mm. are gateway talents to the rest of the tree and really useful for Lorig. Both sides, yeah. Okay. Now, here's where I dip out of the book. Yes, I'm going to Age Rebellion for this one, but I'm spending 10 XP to buy Force C. Yeah. I said that Edge of the Empire gives us just about everything to make a Finesman, but Age Rebellion gives us that last critical piece. While sense can be used to explain the Finesman rituals, Force C really gives us that ability to look into the future and pick out key details to help Lorig know exactly where his prey is or will likely be in the immediate future. Take this power as well as the first strength and duration upgrades for a total of 20 XP. Lorig now has a chance to pick out key details in his visions and rituals to help lock down where his quarry is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been doing the math, I'm 5 XP in the hole here, and he's in desperate need of some gear. So i got to <laughs> take some obligation. I'm taking 10 points for obligation, and we're putting it all into duty bound. Gan Feinsman have a huge reputation to live up to, and Lorig is under constant pressure to live up to his reputation and to succeed. Failure to do so could lead to a loss of honor, and that Gan cultural side effect of losing their name, temporarily or even semi-permanently. So for 1,000 XP, I'm buying him a blaster rifle, padded armor, a utility belt, and macro binoculars. Now, advancement. We've got this nice base baseline here. This build has three key areas of advancement. All will improve Lorig's abilities in various ways. Uh, aside from that, it's probably best for him to buy up the skills he needs uh, to rank three as soon as you can. Perception, ranged heavy, and survival. These are all things that are going to help him hunt down his prey and take them down when he gets them. That's 45 XP, though. Whew. It is. It is. So that's why you, know, you buy them up as you can, right, you know, if right. you've got 10 XP here, buy it. Um, if you really think, I, geez, I really could use that third rank in ranged heavy, take it. So, you know, as you can fit in, buy up your skills. First main area, survivalist. Many talents here will help Lorig get to his quarry. Swift to ignore hindering and difficult terrain. Outdoorsman from column one, a gateway talent to two ranks of toughened and enduring. And then to over to dedication. Right. Force-sensitive exile, here's where we see the greatest investment for our future. Take quick draw, touch of fate, and street smarts to help that streetwise check. You can now gain access to superior reflexes and another rank of uncanny reactions. This also opens up dedication and then force rating two. Yep. Now, this is a build that really benefits from buying up that, uh, buying up that force rating when you... Uh, oh, not necessarily as soon as you can, but the more opportunity... Lorig will have to get that uh, to uh, activate the enhancements to foresee knowing what you know being able to pick out specific details in his visions being able to extend his visions out several days both of those will gain a huge benefit by being able to roll a second force rating die mm-hmm. he could then take sixth sense or dive through balance to get intense focus both good and very viable paths finally foresee 
get that other strength and that other duration upgrade. You could also, I could also go into control the uh, initiative aspect and buy out the rest of the 4C tree, both to help his ability to get the drop on his foes once combat officially starts and possibly even extend that benefit to the rest of the team. Um, but I sort of see that as a real back of the, you know, back burner type improvement. Mostly I see buying deep into Force Sensitive Exile uh, so that you can get that second Force rating and uh, really cranking out Force C to make his rituals a lot more effective. Hmm. Now, I suppose as one final note, uh, you could dip into Sense like I much talked about before, yeah. or also the Enhanced Power from Age of Rebellion to use those Force dice in combat or in other situations as well. Nice. So there is my Gand Feinsman. That's a Feinsman, dude. That is a Feinsman. That's yep. brilliantly done. Um, uh, very, so very what well do done. you got, sir? Well, okay, before I get there, you, your, your build has made me reminisce a bit. Like, the, okay. f- the first time I ever played Star Wars with you was about three years ago. When you came down to Dallas, or is it two and a half years ago? Two and a half. Two and a half. You came down to Dallas for ReaperCon. Yep. Um, that glorious ReaperCon where you and you, I'm, tear, I'm going to tear up here. You were you you <laughs> inducted Dave and I as honorary friends of of uh, of the of uh, of the five hundred first and the Rebel Legion. Yep. And uh, uh, you got you, you, you did you play in all three sessions of my enemy of my enemy? I did, and in all three sessions, I played. Gand. You played Gand. I had I had a Gand character, and like it was halfway through the first session, you were drawing, like you talked about last session. You know, you were drawing to pass the time, and you drew this awesome little ink of of Gand, Um, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. And he was the he was the protector of a young girl in the party, another PC who was a force sensitive exile. Yes, Um, and that was yeah, it's fun stuff, man. Gand is trying to fix the engine. Cut Gand some slack. <laughs> yes, he was the mechanic. Yes, Gand is trying to fix the engine. Cut Gand some slack. Yeah, that was epic. Um, oh, that was a fun time. It was good. It was had good. to play with Akoshi and 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 Polly oh, and everybody. Yeah, every man it was good. It was good stuff. Um, okay, so my build. Um, yes, I wanted to go a little off the beaten path here with something a little unusual. Um, and as I was going through the books, this image came back to me and I saw, um, the awesome image of that Twi'lek male who's doing the handstand, um, for the performer. Okay. Yes. The complete Uh, turnaround on the Twi'lek dancer. Yes. The complete turnaround on the Twi'lek dancer. And that really got me thinking. And that led to my build. Uh, my build is Deuce Davron, uh, the companion with a secret past. Um, okay. or, or liar liar pants on fire uh. <laughs> um his friends call him double d too you know so you know, all right but uh deuce is my build and you know so much of the force sensitive exile is kind of focused on remaining undiscovered um sure. or simply getting the hell out of dodge when you are found out you know you took it in this very active role right i wanted to get a little more yeah. passive with it and I, I, la- I latched onto this character concept of, of, guy, of a guy who hides their force sensitivity in plain sight. Actually, beyond in plain sight. He hides it within a rather brazen abandon of, <laughs> of career choice. Um, so Deuce is a performer um, who sings or dances or does other things, which entertain, um, in some cases, yes. uh, the, the very dark Imperial forces that would see him dead. Um, 
Bottom line, though, he is a liar. He is a hell of a liar. And he uses his force gifts to amplify that skill. That's what he does. That's what he does well. Um, not content to rely on his performance income alone, though, um, Deuce also uses his skills to ply the trade of the con man or the face man in uh, side pursuits of the criminal outer rim. And, you know, obviously I'm hinting at it, but guys, depending on the maturity level of your game, Deuce could very easily become a handsome out-and-out private escort or companion wooing imperial ladies and wealthy patrons while filching them for all they have. <laughs> or, Look, you know, a yeah. force-sensitive Inari! Pretty much! Um... You know, at gleaning secrets from them, you know, this could work really well in a rebellion game, too. Um, So this build will stay entirely within the edge of the Empire line. But as I kind of hope I've made clear at this point, um, we'll require access to the Far Horizons book for its first, you know, primary specialization. Naturally. Now, as far as species go, Deuce is a hyper-social character. Now, cunning needs to be his primary characteristic, followed by willpower. Um, you know, for discipline. But Mm -hmm. since we are going the full social route, presence really does make sense. So ultimately, I want Deuce to have at least three in all of them, okay? Right. Now, considering that, Phil, the min-maxer in me screamed Toydarian, okay, from from Enter the Unknown. (laughs) Uh, Because, dude, hey, hey, you know, starting ranks of three in willpower and presence and a two in cunning, buddy. But the... Uh, you know, honestly, when I started fleshing into the concept, the laughable agility of one makes very little sense for a performer of any kind. Um, My brain is now trying to comprehend <laughs> Watu trying to woo anything. That's the other thing, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's that. Plus, it, this is a build that focuses on using the force to influence others' minds. Okay, um, sure. You know, subtly, and then eventually, as the build progresses, overtly, and you know, perhaps even becoming, uh, you know, a lustful icon makes a Toydarian even more laughable. Again. But strictly from a thematic perspective as well, and what we know of Star Wars, Loy, and Toydarians, and their sort of innate, inherent uh, defense against any type of mental manipulation via the Force, it didn't make a lot of sense to me that I would have a Toydarian that would have that ability, okay? Okay. Um, You know, so yeah, yeah, even, even, you know, Toydarian escort aside is being silly. Yeah, it still didn't (laughs) didn't make a lot of sense. Human, also very tempting with their bonus XP and non-career skills, and I wouldn't fault you for picking it. No. But I landed with that, again, inspiring picture of the Twi'lek performer that is there for the performer spec. Twi'lek is, in my humble opinion, the superb choice for Deuce Davron. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Natural three in presence, twos in cunning and willpower. Twi'leks are quite strong for the build, and a free rank in charm or deception is just too good to pass up. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like you were talking about one in presence. You're my Twi'lek. I got a one in brawn. Yeah, that sucks, but oh well. Deuce is not a frontline combatant or heavy lifter. He's a graceful charmer and a ladies' man. Now, there's other people do lifting for him. Other people do lifting for me. The only thing I've got to lift is one thing. Now, Twi'leks do have a hundred starting XP. That's ten less than a human, but that's okay because. Twi'lek starting with that three in presence saves me 30 XP I don't have to spend as a human to get all three uh, characteristics up to three. Right. So then I drop 60 XP to push Deuce's cunning and willpower up to a three. Now my 100 starting XP is now cut down to 40. But let's add something to it. Go for it. Uh, Obligation. Okay. Much like you, you got to take it because you want the bonus XP. 
Yeah. Um, and for the character concept, Deuce is on the run. He's hiding in plain sight. Actually, a bedazzled sight. But, you know, he's still a wanted force user. So Deuce most likely has a bounty or criminal obligation to represent his outstanding, you know, f- wanted nature as being a force user. Sure. Um, it could even be something more esoteric, all right, like family or something like that. But it has to, you know, or blackmail. But it has to relate back to his hidden force sensitivity somehow, okay? Yeah. So take the plus 10. Get the plus 10 starting XP. You're going to need it. Now we're back up to 50 XP in our build pool. All right. Start in Performer. That's where you're going to start. Now, as a Twi'lek, you get your free rank in either Deception or Charm. Take Deception. <laughs> there you go. Um, next, free Colonist career ranks in Charm, Deception, Negotiation, and Streetwise. All the good social skills. All the good ones. Um, then, free Performer specialization ranks in Charm, again, and you, you are and Coordination. Okay. Um, decep- oh. Deception with your free rank should already be maxed, and you need good coordination for your line of work. So I like it. You're getting two. You're starting with two ranks in charm and two in deception. You got it. So now, starting character at this point with 50 XP still left to spend in character build, who has yellow, yellow, green pools in both charm and deception, fairly skilled negotiator and information gatherer to boot. Okay. Nice. Grab convincing demeanor at five XP. And then the distracting behavior talent at 5 XP, which is kind of a major shtick for the performer, and it makes total sense for this concept. Um, Distracting behavior is so broad of a talent. (laughs) Um, It's great. I mean, you can force threat with no check on your part on any checks that NPCs make. It's a great freaking talent. Okay, so you grab those two ranks. We're now down to 40 starting XP left. Now we move into the Force-sensitive exile. Keep in mind, we're still building the starting character. Drop the 20 XP, move into FS exile. Um, Now we're down to 20 starting XP total left. Sure. You're going to spend a lot of time in this tree with Deuce. Um, The concept focuses on using the Force to make you what you are. The real ultimate goal, getting to sense emotions and then buying into the influence power, which means a long trek through the wilds on the left-hand side of the tree. Okay. Um, Thankfully... Most of these talents rock for what you do. Uh, so, uncanny senses at five XP. Um, you know, while it's it's kind of nice to have the boost to perception. Yeah, this really is the gatekeeper talent for the rest of the tree. I want access to. I see. Uh, moving down, second rank in convincing demeanor at ten XP. So I am now a superb liar <laughs> who can ignore two setback dice on deception as a starting character, <laughs> um, which means which means telling really outlandish lies. Yes, like you look really attractive. Um, <laughs> um, Boshuda. Boshuda. Yes, yes. Um, lastly, spend your remaining five starting XP from your from your character creation XP on insight. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy. We talked about it before, but having discipline as that career skill is big as you continue to advance with this character, and you're gonna need it. So now to take a pause, merely at the end of starting character creation, I've got a sly Twi'lek performer slash companion with really big pools or decently big pools in deception and charm who can tell implausible lies by ignoring two setback and can use their guile or insert mature concept here to to (laughs) befuddle NPCs with auto threat. They can gather information, they can negotiate contracts, and they can be the really solid face of the party now at character creation end. Sure. Now, as you advance, how do you spend XP with Deuce? Keep to the Force-sensitive exile tree, boys and girls, for a good long while. Your XP should be spent really, your earned XP should be spent in three ways. 
one. Ladies, ladies, and ladies. Ladies and ladies. You, you, you spend your XP to buy a fifth sandwich and some Kovacier. Uh, um, okay, first way to spend your earned XP for Deuce. Um, advance ranks in Deception and Discipline, which is cheap now that it's career skill for you. Sure. Um, third rank in Deception still makes you intensely powerful for 15 XP, but your goal is to get to Discipline to th- get discipline to three ranks as soon as possible. It'll right. cost you, you know, 30 XP total, but you can get there gradually. You don't, you don't have to have the full three ranks before moving into the influence power. It's kind of like you were saying before. Sure, get it progressively. Get it progressively. Um, more Now, that's the first thing you spend your XP on. Second thing, um, you, you don't have to do this in order. It's however you see fit. More talents from the Force Sensitive Exile Tree. 15 XP for Sense Danger, which is an amazingly useful talent, moving up to yep. two setback dice on any check. Um, only once per session, true, but it's any check. <laughs> okay? Right. Um, that leaves you into 20 XP for Street Smarts and another rank in Uncanny Senses, respectively, uh, which is useful you know, for your Streetwise checks and your Perception. But more importantly, these are the Gatekeeper talents to move over and back up into the tree. From Uncanny Senses, you could at that point easily drop down to an increased Force rating or Sixth Sense. Um, but honestly, instead of spending 25 XP to get one of those, spend 15 XP to grab Sense Emotions. Yeah. Boost died over half your influence checks, baby. Don't grab overwhelm emotions. Really? E- ever. Because the second control upgrade and the influence power does what it does without the risk. So you'd be wasting 10 XP. Pretty much. Um, I mean, the, the, don't get me wrong. If you don't take influence, overwhelm emotions is great. It lets you it lets you turn, you know, roll a force die and turn pips into auto successes, right? But yeah. it, but if you roll two successes of the improper color, depending on the type of check you want to make, it becomes failure instead. Okay, you don't run that risk with the influence power, so why take it? Um, that's 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 kind of what I'm saying. Take that remaining XP you would have spent and drop it in, in to access the influence power, which is the third thing you can spend your earned XP on. Mental manipulation, Padawans. It is what you do as Deuce Devron. <laughs> drop the 10 XP to get access to the influence power. Spend another 10 XP when you can to grab the first control upgrade for true mind trick capabilities. All right. That also means your discipline needs to be decent. So think about that. Um, then drop five XP on either range or magnitude upgrades whenever, you know, as the game progresses, consider whether you find yourself needing to influence more NPCs or influence single NPCs that are further away. Okay. And that should guide your choices to which one you pick. There you go. Heck, maybe grab them both. And finally grab the second control upgrade at 15 XP for influence. At that point, you can spend your rolled force pips to add successes or advantage to every single influence check you make period negotiation leadership okay anything and there's huh. no and there's no so it, it it's it's more comprehensive um than overwhelm emotions and there's no risk of using it by rolling too high interesting okay all right so that's kind of where i'm where this build kind of reaches its zenith so from start to finish this build gets to that endpoint at 135 earned XP after character creation, and that's not bad. 
No, it's not. Um, but as I hope I've made clear, Deuce is pretty amazing at what he does right after character creation. Um, advancement just makes him better and better until he reaches a point where no one can resist his deceptions. And these aren't the droids you're looking for. And you don't need to see his identification. Move along. Move along. <laughs> all all um, uh, playground, fifth grade humor aside, it's, it's a solid build, man. Thank you. It is great for an Edge of the Empire crew. That's for damn sure. I, and I was mistaken before. It's not Inari that I was with, that this character would be like a force sensitive Inari. Who was that other? I can't remember her name. The the one who like manipulated Mal. Oh, Saffron. Saffron. Yes, this it's like a force sensitive Saffron. This is a force sensitive Saffron, or what Inari could be. It's what, yes. it's, it's, what, it's what she could be. It's also worth noting you don't need a hell of a heavy force rating to pull this off. Um, no, you really don't. You, you really don't. As long as you don't mind suffering the effects of dark side pips to activate your power of influence, you really can get by with a force rating of one. You don't have to go deeper than that. Um, as long as your discipline is staunch, uh, you know, you're good. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of worth noting. But, you know, and again, if, if this is too not safe for work from a concept for you, you can easily transition this concept. You know, I had fun with it, but you could, you could simply make this a performer. He could be a singer or an entertainer, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Who, in a more mundane capacity, still has the exact same build and accomplishes the exact same things. You know, just a socialite, all right? Somebody who, because of their entertaining abilities, is invited to entertain the bigwigs and is a minor celebrity in his own right, but has this ulterior motive and is secretly force sensitive. So, I like it. Just, I like it a lot. Yeah. That's Deuce. But what do you like, Gamer Nation? As Chris has said, we will have the poll up on the radio, on the D20 radio forums, the Order 66 podcast section, all about episode 43. Go on and uh, vote for which one you think is a better concept. Yes, absolutely. Do. <laughs> well, guys, we hope this has helped a good bit. Um, and uh, again, we have, we have a, a lot of requests still in the pipe. Um, you know, after this one, we also talked about we really, in, in close succession, want to give Force Sensitive Emergent their due. Um, because that is a, in my opinion, that is a much more combat-focused spec. Um, Which makes sense, considering the book it's from. I would agree. I would agree. So th- there's a lot of fun we're going to have with that as well. Um, but uh, some of us may have even gotten an inadvertent head start on it. Some, 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 hmm, some of us, some of us may have. Hmm. <coughs> um, I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Push up, um, push up, po- push. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so thank you guys. Of course, get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Let us know what specs you want us to talk about in this segment or any other show topics you'd like us to cover. And, uh, we will get it on the docket. Oh yeah. You know, Chris, uh, mm. your your character Deuce, he, he got me feeling kind of funky. It's a little little funky. I, I think I would like to get some funk on right now. Like a little funky, baby. I would I oh, would like yeah. it a little funky. What Just can a, you do for me? A little funky or something. Begin to give you a little something like this. Let me take that back, huh? Let me find what you need. I'm gonna pop some tags, only got $20 in my pocket. I'm looking for a come up. This is a black market. <laughs> what do you know? Oh, 
What do you know? What do you Woo-hoo! know? What do you know? Welcome to Wado's Black Market Gamer Nation, where the skeezy scoundrels of the Outer Rim Territories can procure the weapons and gear to make a living on the edge of the Empire just a little more tolerable. Tonight's trip to Wado's is brought to us by SW Nerd, who has a far out request for Wado to procure the collar amp from the Far Horizons source book. He's far out, man. He's far out. This is Horizon, man. Yeah, collar man. amp, man. Like, like, talk to me about the collar amp, man. Is it like, right, man? Is it like, Dude, a, like I, I think I saw them play live on Bespin like two years ago. Oh yeah, man. It was their third go away comeback tour. It, yeah, was, it, was, it, it was the it was the collar amp, yeah. You know, Hell for leather tour. It was great. It was fun, man. <laughs> So the collar amp is designed and produced by Herzfall Communications. Hmm. Uh, it can be found on page 45 of uh, Far Horizons and is classified as a communications gear and is a basic and deceptively simple item. Hmm. At a mere 50 credits and with a rarity of one, it is not hard to come by. You can pretty much find it in any corner store on any planet in any section of the galaxy. <laughs> it can be mounted on the user's collar or front of his clothing. And looks and like an, an innocuous silver button. But when activated, it detects the user's voice and amplifies it, filtering out ambient noise. Basically, it is a micro-sized megaphone that prevents static and background noise from coming through. <laughs> now, the caller amp boosts the wearer's voice so that he can be clearly heard up to long or even extreme range, depending on terrain and weather and uh, other factors such as that. For an extra 100 credits, an advanced model can be purchased that hooks into a sound system or entertainment system to improve sound quality or mix the user's voice into other broadcast into other broadcast music. Right. Now, understandably, entertainers use these quite efficiently and quite frequently. But from a narrative perspective and a mechanical one, that's it. <laughs> so what's the benefit of dropping even a paltry 50 credits on this item? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Yeah, I think there's some very creative uses out there for this, um, you know, mechanical and otherwise. So let's start from a player perspective, man. Um, you know, I, I think the most basic use for a PC is pretty obvious. That PC can be heard at a longer range. I right. mean, I mean, and, and the book kind of talks about this loosely, but anything past medium range is really in the avenue of shouting, okay, if you, yeah. can, be, if you can be heard at all. Um, you know, were one of my PCs wanting to shout to an ally or an NPC longer than medium range away, you best believe I would be adding setbacks to their check or even increasing their difficulty. And with the collar amp, that problem is resolved. Um, there you go. I mean, just for talking to your allies, Phil, I mean, yeah, comlink is a much better way to go because <laughs> right. it's kind of got a much longer range, um, sure. you know, um, and personal discussion that can't be overheard. Uh, but, you know, there are times when you might be addressing a small platoon of soldiers or or a crowd of NPCs that, you know, aren't going to have your comlink frequency or even comlinks, you know, that, you know, uh, you know that you want to address them in, in a very large manner. Um, sure. Um, so, obviously, politicos, performers... Commodores, even uh, ambassadors, and especially agitators, yeah. anyone whose talents require talking to allies or NPCs, realistically, they can use their abilities out to a range of shouting. But this makes things a heck of a lot easier for them. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, it also provides a reasonable excuse to spread fear or uh, to to tirade on an NPC 
all the way out to long range, even in the heat of battle. So, you know, you've got these talents that require your opponents to be able to understand you effectively or, or you know, they're not not always spelled out as such, but common sense says that you can't use scathing tirade on someone who can't hear you. Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess for what? 50, for 50 credits, they can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, mu- pre- pre- pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, allies can gain benefit from confidence boost or commands in much the same fashion. Uh, similarly, just like scathing tirade, um, inspiring rhetoric, use it out to long range realistically, not need, uh, not need communications. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Damn right. <laughs> I want to get in a fighter and go blow up some aliens. Yeah, that's it. That's, that, that's it. Uh, maybe you're in a situation where your communications are being jammed. This doesn't come across as communications. This is, you know, auto uh, uh, audio acoustics right there on your person. That yeah. can't be jammed. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. So, I mean, these are the basic uses. There's some creative stuff I think a PC can do with it, too. Um, okay, like what? Well, jailbreak it. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that with a lot of tech, but jailbreak the crap i mean okay so you have this more advanced unit right that's 100 xp 100 uh, creds more right okay and and it's it's designed already to jack into sound systems okay why not modify it and use it to slice into an enemy comm system or a ship's intercom system oh okay i mean the ability to remotely shout out misdirection or quickly connect to an enemy's loudspeaker should be just a little bit easier with this piece of tech, you know? Probably granting a boost die on those kinds of attempts, you know what I mean? I could see that. Yeah. And what else, man? Any other crazy things you could think of for this thing from a PC perspective? Sure. Um, you know those... Uh, inadver- in, in, invariably, in any situation where there's a bad guy hunting a good guy, or, or vice versa, and they're hiding in this huge warehouse, and there's they're, they're, they can't quite pin down where the person is talking from because it's all echoey this can just make it even worse for the person trying to to find the hidden character yeah yeah you you get this thing booming and it's bouncing off of walls and and it's really really loud and everywhere all at once the guy could be next to you the guy could be across the warehouse so i would certainly add a boost die for someone who wanted to pester annoy or otherwise uh, 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 try to hinder his opponent's ability to find uh, the character being hidden through misdirection. Oh, that, oh, that gun, gun is, is way, way too way big, big for you. <laughs> exactly. What are you what doing? Are you a stormtrooper or a Jawa? Actually, just Austin Catan came up with a really nice one in, uh, in the, our live chat over an Echo Base, connected to an auto, audio translator. That's a very good idea as well, yeah. yeah. Talk it so up to that. You talk, and it broadcasts out in alien language. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating, actually. Yeah. So stuff. what do we got from a GM's perspective? Oh, man, uh, y- you hit a nail on the head for me, man. It, from a GM's perspective, how if I would use this thing, misdirection and confusion. I mean, the same tricks you just said your PC would pull there is what I would have an NPC do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, imagine a BVEG who's lured the PCs into an abandoned factory or a dark cave, you know? Yep. Um, you know, use of this device might give them this ethereal and disembodied voice, you know, uh, preventing the enemy from easily locating him. You know, it's like, welcome to my dungeon. You know, where are you? Are you over here? Are you over here? You will all die. You know? There you go. Um, you know, so you got that going on. Um Maybe he set up a sound system in the location, and he actually uses the collar amp to broadcast his voice from different speakers 
alternatingly. So it, I mean, so it really makes it sound like he's moving around when he's really not. And when you, when it sounds like he's uh, just another another speaker near you, it's actually him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I might I might have him use this thing to jailbreak it himself, maybe like an auto-tune, you know? Uh, sure. I mean, because the auto-translator is one thing, but, you know, uh, you know, making it sound, like, to, to build on the point you just said, I can make it sound like I'm speaking out of a speaker when in reality I'm right behind you with a knife, you know? Oh, there's another thing. You can completely use it to hide a person's voice. Oh. It's 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 you know it's one of those things where it's it's detecting your sounds it's filtering out but you could jail as you said jailbreak it and tune it to broadcast a different sounding voice than your own. Yeah, ooh, ooh. And these are all these are all good suggestions. People talk about well jailbreak it jailbreak it. I mean, how? Well, a mechanics check makes obvious sense um yeah. or a computer's check most likely at a hard difficulty for the extremely um simpler stuff you are jailbreaking an existing piece of tech that's very small maybe a daunting difficulty for some of the stuff we're talking about um but it's entirely within the realm of possibility completely completely yeah it's a neat little device um and and i like how you know unlike someone walking around with a megaphone you kind of wonder okay are they going to start causing trouble you you have no idea if you're an agitator you need one of these things yeah need because yeah. it's just the silver button or on your lapel or somewhere on your jacket that all of a sudden you're shouting and everyone can be heard and you can really whip up the crowd into a frenzy and then disappear. Rise up! Not- Rise up, my brothers! Yup. A neat piece of gear. I, I, I kind of like it. And uh, one of my PCs is, uh, is listening in Echo Base right now and he says that another one of my PCs now wants one who is a command who is basically building a commanding officer uh, PC in my next campaign. So I'm like, great, fantastic. <laughs> oh, so God. I better read up on what you can do with this thing. All right, Dugan's SF. Dugan SF is in the chat right now. He says, I am the, the great, great and powerful Oz. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man with the collar amp. Pay no attention to the man with the silver button. Yeah, and he's the one like, oh, Raquel now wants one. I'm like, great. That's, that's awesome. Oh, oh, what? A, oh, that's just awful, Austin. An Ithorian using the collar amp? <laughs> I think that might short out the equipment, man. <coughs> you just see the boom. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's saying maybe use it to upgrade the attack. Oh, for 50 XP uh, or for 50 credits? Uh, I'm not too sure about that. Um, but It upgrades it. Once, yeah, once, and then and then it's gone. Well, no, that's even too much for me because my party, yeah. my party would build an authority and be like, "All right, yeah, I got a two hundred and fifty extra starting credits from this obligation. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna buy five hundred collar amps." <laughs> he, they would be festooned across the front of his jacket, just like just thousands of buttons. Oh, peel one off, activate the next one. Yeah, like this really bad silver sequin jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Where all the buttons are collar amps. Oh, that's a lot of fun. Oh, man, that made me think of another possible use for this. Okay. You jailbreak it, and this could, dude, I wouldn't even make this hard. This should be something that, like a like a average mechanics check, okay? Okay. Make a noisemaker out of it. Who says it has to be attached to you? That's true. What if you what if you rig the thing up to a, a data pad or a comm link that broadcasts like a beep or a chirp or whispering, and you leave it in some random location? Yeah, what it's, in, it's it's a pocket it's a pocket uh, uh, speaker. 
Yeah, I mean that's what it is, and and so I mean you could you could totally you know send someone in completely opposite directions they go to look for it, or annoy the heck out of someone as they're trying to find where the source of a noise is coming from. The way it's described, it sounds like it, it works kind of like um, I don't know if you if, I don't know if you're familiar with Jawbone. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jawbone USB, uh, not USB Bluetooth uh, headsets, where they will detect the sound that your 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 jawbone basically is is making so it will let that through but it filters everything else out this sounds like some something of a similar technology so if you put this on a data pad it, and have that data pad play something it will play what the data pad is playing but not anything around it right you can really mess with things that way yeah there's a lot of stuff you could do with this it's a pretty cool little item Excellent suggestion. Excellent suggestion. If you guys have suggestions, of course, that you'd like Watto to dig into from his uh, crusty bins in the black market, head to the D20. Boy, are they crusty. (laughs) Boy, are they crusty. Um, Head to the D20 radio forums and the Order 66 podcast boards. You'll find a dedicated thread for Watto's black market. We say we get some questions, sir. Yeah, I do believe it is time for some questions. Okay. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, boys and girls and Padawans, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. Phil, how can folks get us these questions? Well, the easiest way is to travel over to our forums, as we have mentioned many times before in today's episode. Head to www.d20radio.com forums, register or just simply log in if you have already, and head to the Order 66 podcast boards, where you'll find a messages from the Edge thread. You can also email your questions to us at gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, and gmphil at, of course, d20radio.com. Yes. And if you're brave enough, leave us a question via the voicemail on D20 Radio's hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. Ah. Uh. Our first question tonight actually comes from chat, uh, where Dugan's SF asks, uh, do you like beans? Um, yes. yes. But does he like George Went? Uh, ooh, mm, good question. Mm. Mm. So, the first question that we're, we have posted to us and written in the show notes, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> comes from GM Phantom, who writes, I've been confused about weapon and armor modifications. I get that the base modifiers involve passing a hard mechanics check to install, but I'm unclear how modification options fit into making that check. Does the player get one of these mod options for free with the base modification? Do these mods cost additional hard points or credits? I can't find clarification in any of the books that I have. Mm. Well, Phantom, our, our wonderful online community at the forums already provided some very sage advice, and it's advice that we are going to echo. Um, it sounds like, Phil, there's just some terminology that's getting confused here, and alas, yeah. that's not uncommon for attachments. No. Um... But to be clear, Phantom, when you purchase an attachment, that's what you're actually purchasing, okay? You simply, it's an item, okay? Uh, You pay the cost, and you slap it onto the weapon or the armor. Could just click, click, click. Unless otherwise noted, there is no check required to make this work. Any moron can buy an attachment, 
and just stick it on and boom, get the primary base listed benefit. That's it. It's usually not great. Okay. We're, useful, but not great. It's useful, but not great. Where attachments get great is when you modify them. And that's what a modification is. A modification is something you do to an attachment that you have purchased to make it better, to add additional benefits from the attachment. Sort of a, it's, 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 it's customizing your out-of-the-box attachment, basically. Right. Um, making a mod to an attachment also has a credit cost and a role associated with it, and that's where the role comes in. Um, and both credit cost and role are going to increase the more mods you make to an individual attachment. Right. So I think that's where the confusion comes in. I mean, Phil, any I mean, any thoughts on this, man? No, that that that's pretty much it. You know, you to you buy the attachment for its listed price, and once you have it, then you start spending. 100 credits and you can do that first mod at a hard difficulty and then another 100 credits you can try the second mod at hard plus one upgrade right and uh, plus one increase so it's now daunting at four purple dice yeah and so on and so forth and so on and so forth yeah and so. yeah but i mean that 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 type of that, that modification of an attachment is where it really comes in handy and uh you know, typically speaking, you know, your attachments take up hard points and you only have so many of those. So modding the few attachments that you can have is really what where the value lies. You know yeah. I mean? um, so, yeah. So our next question comes from Shift, who asks, GMs, I have a question regarding cover. Characters can take a maneuver to dive behind cover, which provides a setback die to future ranged attacks against them as long as that character remains behind cover. Additionally, the core rulebook has a section on cover which describes how cover functions in the environment, granting a setback die, or even multiple setback dice, to ranged attacks being made at a target benefiting from cover. My question is this. Can a character benefit from cover without taking the maneuver? If a character moves behind a scrap heap, does the scrap heap inherently grant cover, (laughs) or does the character need to perform the maneuver to gain the setback die? If the scrap heap gains cover inherently, what happens if the character performs a maneuver to dive behind cover in addition to already being positioned behind that scrap heap? Thanks, guys. You probably do a great show, but I never listen. Shift. That's a good question, Shift. Um, I mean, Phil, I'm interested to get your feedback on this, but the, the rules are, understandably, considering the abstract movement in the system, rather less than precise on that subject. Yes. Um, the rules are clear that it takes... A maneuver to get into cover. The real question is, can the same maneuver that gets you across the room get you into cover? Or do you have to take a separate maneuver after you've moved to get into cover? And I think the real answer is maybe? Yes. (laughs) Um, I mean, from my perspective, Shift, it's entirely situational. I mean, if it takes a character a maneuver to get to a new range band, and they're able to, as a part of that, easily dive behind nearby cover that they've landed in front of as a part of that movement, then I, I, I let them. The... You know, t- to me, the maneuver cost to get behind cover always seemed like a way to handle movement within a range band. Yeah. Um, I mean, Phil, what are what are your thoughts on this, man? Like you said, maybe, and really, it's very situational. Now, it, it, it's a very abstract system, but I let's face it, I, I I like to use maps. I like to see where things are, and even though I've drifted away from the whole, you know, marking your your exact movements and that square means a very specific set of measurements. When it comes to gaming, um, intervening objects between two characters making attacks against each other will come into play. 
So if a char- so in most cases, when my characters move behind cover or they move into areas and you know they do it as part of a move movement error action, um, I will give them that cover benefit. But if they specifically say, "Okay, now that I'm here, I'm I'm taking I'm taking cover as well," um, I will actually probably turn that into improved cover. Mm. So not only are they behind boxes, but now they're behind boxes and they're hunkered down and they're now only showing their right shoulder and half of their head and the rifle that they plan on shooting their opponent with. So That's a good I, interpretation, Phil. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's already cover in between them, then yeah, that part of that movement action is moving into cover. Um, if they then want to double it up or if they're out in the open and they want to say, okay, I know there isn't much around me, but I'm still going to take cover. Well, they find a small gully or some sort of uh, depression in the earth or they find just, you know, they get prone and they find just enough things around them to provide them some decent cover towards that to get that initial setback, to get, to get the initial setback die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's really subjective shift, um, but, you know, you're not going to be doing anything wrong or you're not going to be violating the rules if you say that, okay, this person who takes that maneuver to move from A to B who also wants to get into cover when they get to B, just try to figure out how much cover they're actually getting and uh, that will tell you what, you need, what they need to do if they need to take additional means to protect themselves. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. I mean, and I'm thinking about it, how I run it in my games because I really do run it off the cuff, you know. Uh, yeah. if, if somebody, I use maps as well, and if somebody, if, if, if their range band movement takes them behind cover, they have cover, but they need to spend an extra maneuver to get improved, unless yeah. un, unless it, like, they move behind an arrow, a, a blaster slit, basically, which by its nature is improved cover, you know what I mean? Right, a, a specifically prepared position. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope that helps, so, yeah. yeah. Finally, our last question tonight comes from Invader, who writes, hey, Order 66 podcast. Hey! I... Hey, I could really use your sage advice. I don't know about sage advice, but you'll certainly get an opinion. (laughs) I'm currently running a game with four PCs. Three have reasonable combat skills and like to get into fights quite a bit. The problem I'm running into is my fourth player, the Slicer. It's always a Slicer. (laughs) I want to make sure he's having fun and getting to use his abilities whenever he can. The issue is I'm having difficulties thinking up useful things for him to do while all the others are exchanging blaster fire. My PCs tend to run around fairly chaotically, so I never quite know where they will end up. Modular encounters have been helpful, but I feel like the only so many terminals that open doors and other generic computer terminal cliches are going to get old really quickly. (laughs) At this point, I've thought about ten things, but some of them are fairly context-sensitive. Auto turrets, gravity plating, fire suppression system... Do you have any ideas or suggestions to help me out? With your vast Star Wars GMing experience, what are some of the things that you would set up for Slicers to do on a regular basis? In the meantime, I think I'll go back and re-listen to the GM Holocron episodes. Thanks in advance, Invader. First off, never set up anything for your Slicers to do on a regular basis. Yeah. Never make it um, the same each time. Uh, but right. we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, first off, this is, Phil, this is a, re- this is a good GMing question from a GM who wants to do things right and make the game enjoyable for all of his players. I, I have to call that out first, and I have to say, Invader, from me to you, brother, kudos to you for being, yes, golf clap seriously, for being a badass GM who actually cares enough about his game to even ask this question in the first place. Yeah. Um, now, to the question itself. It sounds like he's clearly listened to Episode 7, The List Strikes Back. 
um, to understand the importance of providing skillful characters with something to do in the encounter. Um, and in fact, man, you already have a great list of things that can be situationally situationally inserted into any encounter. You know, auto turrets. What else did he say? Grav plating, fire suppression system. One know. of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God, fire suppression system is great. Um, and ten of them is a, is a, a, a quite a bit. But I think we can. I want to talk about, and Phil and I both to talk about some general ideas that can be expanded in con- into context-specific things. There are three main things you can commonly do with slicing in any encounter. How those things express themselves in the encounter will depend on the context. But once you have an idea of what of these three things is you want the slicing to be able to accomplish, and you can have them accomplish more than three, or more than one, it can be one, two, or three, that will help guide what that context-specific thing is so phil what is our first uh big macro category of slicing usage in a combat encounter terrain modification explain well machinery and computers are abound in star wars this is about using slicing to directly change the layout of the encounter Uh, for the basics opening and closing doors right mucking with the gravity Mm. turning on or off factory machinery or conveyor belts hmm Raising load lifters or lifts or catwalks, basically adding or removing elevations to the encounter. Oh, yeah, elevation. Never forget elevation. Uh, more cool stuff. Mucking with a reactor. Ooh. Have it cover an area in radiation or remove the radiation from an area, making it safe for your allies to hide in. Altering the environmental controls to make it unbreathable or full, fill the area with toxic atmosphere. Ooh. Flood the area with water. <laughs> <laughs> burst bursting water pipes or steam pipes you know the other's fire suppression that's fine but you know causing an overload in a pressure valve okay um yep. uh uh the you know yeah oh oh yeah oh yeah it's 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 it's, it's, it's good stuff um there's other avenues in that vein but they fall in one of the different three categories so exactly uh crowd control this is the second category crowd control This is using slicing to control the threats in the encounter in a meaningful manner. Uh, Disable comm systems to prevent reinforcements from being called. Locking NPCs in a specific area to keep them at bay. Or disabling and spoofing landing platforms and docking protocols to keep ships from landing. That is a huge one. And a lot of this comes back to... You know, when many GMs who are very familiar with the D20 mindset set up an account, well, that's not fair um, because, you know, it, this isn't limited to D20, but I, I've, I tend to see it a lot in the D20 system. Mostly, I think this is an artifact of the fact that the D20 systems have had so many published modules, mm-hmm. and this this makes a published module easier to write. That we tend to do this unconsciously. When you set up an encounter, you're like, "Ha! These are this is my encounter. This is my threats, and and these are the threats that are there in the encounter. And that means these are the threats that are start in the encounter and the threats that finish the encounter. As an encounter progresses, you need to be comfortable, and your players will freak out when you start randomly adding reinforcements to the encounter at round two, round three. <laughs> okay, um, you know, one of the NPCs takes a maneuver and calls in for reinforcements, and they show up. Um, yep, I, and you can prevent that. Um, and in some ways, it's kind of the 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 key thing where the GM is like, okay, if the people, if the PCs don't think of this, yeah. Um, the other thing too is kind of it's not really terrain modification. It really falls into crowd crowd control, but 
if you put in, it's important, this check needs to be extremely difficult. I mean, usually, you know, hard at the minimum, but I would say usually daunting or better, um, okay. um, or even an opposed check if the situation warrants it. Provide the ability for crowd control for a check or two to take an, a group of NPCs, especially minions, completely out of the encounter. And mm. you can do that very cinematically by having a condo, you know, a power couple. You know, you 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 hack into the system, you slice in, and you overload a power coupling that's directly beneath the deck plating of where a group of minions is standing. It explodes. The deck plating goes flying, and all three of them are knocked out. Okay, mm. I mean that's basically. I mean, it, it, it's the effect of hitting a crit or doing massive damage on a minion group. You could conceivably take them all out at once, right? Right. Right. But, you know, you're just doing it this time with a single computer's check. Um, but you just got to make the difficulty appropriate to really, really represent how difficult that action is going to be and the serious positive benefit it's going to have. And I wouldn't let them do that with everything on the on the map, maybe like one of your threats or, or you know, a group of minions. But another another area you could you could do crowd control. Exactly. Uh, the final area of uh, of skill use is party assist. One or of the more difficult ones to pull off, but highly useful. Mm. Uh, for example, being holed up somewhere and jacked into a system, staying one step ahead of security protocols and system administrators as you unlock doors and redirect security droids as your party moves through the facility. This reminds me of, like, spy movies. Yep. Like Mission Impossible. You've got the tech specialist, and he's not in the room. He's outside or in a in a, a technician's bay or at a, at a computer console somewhere else. And, you know, it's technically a party split, but it's just one guy, but he's just, he's still in that encounter. He has his place in initiative. You know what I mean? Yep. And you've got, you know, hostile computer attacks that are coming his way that he has to fend off. And if he's found out the alarm sounds and there's guards in the next room. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Something to that effect. Or the security droids that he sent one way will come back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another one, auto-starting an escape vehicle for your team or spoofing local authority systems to allow for an easy getaway. Yeah, yeah. If your party likes to get in fights a lot, how are they getting out of those fights? And again, that mentality of here's the encounter, defeat it, and defeat it when all the threats are dead, you don't have to fall on that mindset. You no. can keep sending reinforcements and keep sending reinforcements. I'm sorry, if you're on a core world, no, F that. If you're on a mid-rim world, okay, or even a heavily populated outer rim world, it's not right. like when you defeat all the goons in the bar that no one else is going to come up to take you out, okay? <laughs> at, at this point, the, 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 the goons have summoned their buddies. If you're fighting authorities, they've called it in. More and more cops are going to keep showing up. It's not, oh, we've taken out all the cops in the city. You don't know. No, it's... No, <laughs> it, no. It, it doesn't work that way. You're going to reach a point where reasonably you have to get out of dodge. Okay. Yes. How does that happen? Make that a part of the encounter and make the slicer integral to that by allowing him to to effect an escape in a much easier capacity. Right. You know, and whether that be prepping an escape vehicle like Phil suggested, or unlocking a, a door. Again, unlocking a door is pretty mundane, but if it's important, it's important. Right. Um. You know, but th those are the kind of th those are the kind of kind of the basic things. But I mean, anything else that I, we haven't thought about, Phil, that fits into those categories? Because that's really what it comes down to. I mean, if you're slicing an encounter skillfully, you're modifying the terrain, you're crowd controlling, or you're assisting your parties in meaningful manners. And we've yeah. given you some interesting ideas to kind of jumpstart those. But if you pick one or more of those central themes for slicing assist or other skillful assist in an encounter, 
you once you have that theme picked, it will organically come out, and you can find something that's contextually specific to what you want the slicer to be able to do for the party in that scene. Yeah. So, um, one other thing that I thought up because it actually came up quite recently. Um, I was sort of doing a a play test because I've got a couple car- I've got a couple PCs in my next game who've never played the system before. So I was doing a little. All right, let's put you through a couple scenarios so that you can see how your character, how these skills all work. Um, I had them in a warehouse where the they were trying to set up some explosives in uh, on on something in the warehouse, and uh, the stormtroopers were coming in and coming after them, and they had a dark trooper with them as well. It was in this cargo area. Now it was a half lit warehouse, so the techie wanted to shut off all the lights on the PC side turn on all the lights on the NPC side and in fact to the point where the lights were shining in their faces so all the lights that could be hindering them would uh, would come into play so that the PCs would have no no uh, would be in darkness and 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 have no penalties shooting the well illuminated NPCs uh, she succeeded she succeeded with several threat uh, so what I said was was that okay so you got three successes so for the next three rounds here's what's going to happen that's exactly that they will be suffering two setback dice due to extreme blindness and firing into darkness out of severe illumination in their faces while you guys are are unhindered and, and can fire away with impunity without suffering setback dice for that uh, however because the generator hasn't been set up properly for this kind of output it will burn out in three rounds yes yes um so okay anyway, something along those lines okay the timer component is something else awesome you can do with a slicer um no. um uh, uh set up encounters where um, the reactor is in overload. This facility will blow up in three rounds unless someone is consistently rerouting the exhaust and rerouting power. So it requires somebody at a computer terminal making a check every single round that it has increasingly harder difficulty, starting with easy and moving up and up and up and up. And when you get to daunting, then it starts becoming an upgraded difficulty upgraded 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 yep. and yep. when you finally fail the check you can't stop it and the facility will explode in one round but you know it's one of those things that you've got this very important thing to do but eventually you're going to fail it's how long can you delay it to give your party the time they need to make an escape route or deal with the threats they need to deal with or pull off the heist or do whatever the same scenario could be applied to applied to a security alarm going off like oh crap it's been tripped I can only divert the security pro- protocols for so long before they catch the fact that this door is open. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, that same thing. And that escalating difficulty round to round to round can add a lot of tension, especially for a slicer character, you know? Now, that gets really dangerous, though, especially in this system, because, I mean, in a, in a D20 environment where you can kind of gauge, all right, likelihood of PCs making a, a 10 difficulty check, easy. 12, a little harder, 15, 18, 20, 24, 26. You can kind of get a general <laughs> gauge as to where you think it's going to happen. But your PC could just roll one round. Fantastic. 12 successes. Hur- well, not 12, but you get what I mean. Yeah. You know, six successes or, or two successes and six advantages. Hooray. Very next round where their odds are still stacked in their favor. Five advantages and failure. Yeah, well, but, but that's okay. So, and that's the thing. You just have to be very careful. Um, like, okay, in the, in the explosion scenario I talked about before, um, people who've read GM Dave's uh, module that was released last year, um, uh, oh god, what was it called? 
Oh, with the rat ghouls on Hoth. Oh, man. Damn it. I know. Ah. I don't remember the name. It was called uh, uh, Dave's Awesome Hoth Rat Ghoul Adventure. Uh, it was, it was called, hang on. Uh, Ice Station Zebra? Ice Station Zero. Thank, Ice Station Zulu. It was called Ice Station Zulu. Okay. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Austin. Okay. Um, our archivist would know. Um, so yeah, so, so <laughs> Ice Station Zulu, that was the end scenario, right? The reactor sure. was going critical and it was one of those things. They could just hightail it. They had three rounds to do so. It was just that continued checks from skillful characters delayed that three-round threshold by a certain period of time. They still had plenty of time to get out if the check was failed, okay? okay. It's just that, okay, you, you, you can't get any other side benefits at this point, or you have to deal with the repercussions of having to hightail it out before you've finished. Um, you know, the same thing goes with my security protocol scenario. It's like, oh, crap. It's just how, how much stuff can we heist before the alarm goes off and we have to get out of here? So that's kind of where that can come into play. But yeah, you don't want to you don't want to put build that build that scenario where the party's going to die because you failed a check. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the check does is make it easier on the party for a certain period of time. So. And maybe what you can do trying try to like build in a buffer for that instead of once the PCs fail, um make it a a declining you know once the pcs fail this many times um you could say that okay uh you know they, after three failures it 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 explodes or after two failures it explodes and then every or or actually with two failures you could say okay every success kind of just pushes that out a little bit more and as you said the 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 escalating difficulties there gives you a little bit of a buffer so and, and it helps you avoid the whole the plot ends if they fail a check because you never want that. That's, you never want that. We talked about it before. It's bad GMing. Mean, bad, yeah. bad plot design. Bad plot Especially design. in this system. Yeah. Well, that was a very long-winded answer, <laughs> Invader, <laughs> but uh, I hope it assisted you uh, somewhat and gave you some good ideas to, to branch off of. So there. Uh, well, it's time to bring our formal show to a close, Gamer Nation. Um, yes, th- thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Um, our original plan uh, has been in the works for some time was actually to have um, new to the podcast um, FFG freelancer Jason Marker um, on the show to actually talk about, as we've been hinting at, uh, custom starships and building your own and doing your own starship modifications. Unfor- sure. Unfortunately, Jason's schedule couldn't mess with mesh with us for this weekend, um, but he is very eager and excited, and we are planning on having him here on the show after the new year so yay looking forward to that i'm very much looking forward to that um it's probably gonna be about three weeks before you hear from us again gamer nation just because two weeks time is going to be the weekend after christmas um and i for one am going to be out with family at that point in time um mm. so phil philbert if you and dave are in town you two are welcome to go over and do a show uh, but unfortunately I no because i will be at the mighty mighty boston's hometown throwdown number 16 that night oh that's that's yeah. very that's very nice. That's the impression that I get. That is the impression that I get. Yes. That's where did you go? Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, Gamer Nation, again for your fine questions and your continued listenage. Um, become a member of the Gamer Nation yourself if you're not already. Head to the forums, register, post your mind. Also, give us a call for Pete's sake, even if you've already done so before. Leave us a liner and tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast at 262 D20 Radio. That's 262-320-7234. Or email us 
questions and concerns and show topics and when good games go bad or anything else you'd like on the airwaves gm chris at d20radio.com gm dave at d20radio.com and gm phil at d20radio.com yes indeed oh yeah oh yeah so from all of us to all of you because we won't see you until after the new year happy holidays gamer nation happy holidays and merry christmas hana kwanzaa to you all this is gm chris wishing you peace love and good gaming and this is gm phil may the dice be with you This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. Possibly three weeks would put us at January 4th, correct? Yes, sir. I'm going to have no brain left by the, for, for, uh, <laughs> for uh, Fantasy Flight Games' uh, Star Wars after that weekend. <laughs> well, So I've, I've been talking about my uh, another long shot campaign for the past few shows now. Yeah. Um, so, and I declared, decreed that launch day was going to be January 3rd. Oh my! And as I, I've said, I've, I'm running two parties. Um, so party it actually ended up being Group B is starting on the third. Well, Group A, the only time we could all get together before mid-February, is the next day. Wow! January fourth. Wow! <laughs> so I'm writing January. The writing the first episode for Group One, the set first episode for Group Two. And then we'd be doing a podcast. Wow! For Fantasy Flight Games. Well, maybe we don't make it a Sunday, man. Maybe depending on <coughs> depending on Jason's schedule, maybe we do a weeknight show. Oh yeah, that's true. We haven't done one of those in a while. It's been a while. We can make it work. But like I, you know, let's see when he's available. Maybe the work day the day of. Yes, you will be drilling into the mic. In my experience, in my experience, when I podcast the day after a game, I'm always like super excited to talk Star Wars. Oh, so am I. It's it's just like, like, but the next day, I'll just be like, (laughs) Star Wars. Roll dice. It's like, I don't know what that means. It's like, I roll dice. I roll dice. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) So I got, um, I got a new, uh, I got a new e-cigarette thing. Uh Um, for those of you who are vapors out there, um, I got Aspire's new Atlantis tank. With this massive dual coil in it, and it lets me like, hang on, let me do it into the mic so you can actually hear the depth of what I'm talking about. I get the feeling that this thing looks like a lightsaber handle, just simply for size and girth. 
Oh, man. That's like 17 gallons of vapor being produced at once. It's just incredible. Oh, God. It's just deliciously awesome. Um, I love nicotine. Uh, uh, you know, it... <laughs> I don't think anyone could... Uh, as uh, uh, Duggan said in the chat, I'm going to kill the music first. We couldn't hear it. Okay, 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 okay. Hang on. Oh, no. We're making them take another one. Okay, you're making me take another massive hit here. I'm like a massive junkie. Here, let me see if I can pull this out. Let's see. Let me, man. Maybe, maybe it's not making noise anymore. Let's see. Oh, that's just amazing, dude. <laughs> Sounds like you're using a rattle can. Oh, it's epic. Oh God. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, well, um, you're happy. <laughs> um, hey, you know what? It's like, well, I'm, I'm happy. You're happy. That's great. Okay, that's happy. You're happy. Um, okay, so I got a Kickstarter game in. Um, I got a Kickstarter game in uh, a board game that I'd pl- backed for a while back. It was the reprint of the Agents by Shar Shai. Okay. Um, or Sar Shai, I think is his name. Um, great freaking little game. Absolutely love it. Uh, pick it up if you get a chance. Two to five players. A lot of fun. Um, and, like, the one thing that frustrates me, though, is this is the reprint. Okay? Okay. There's still typos in the rules. That's unforgivable. That's unforgivable. I don't understand that. I don't understand that, but the game is beautiful. The graphics are gorgeous. The gameplay is fun. It's there's a lot more depth than you would originally think, um, but it's good. The other thing I picked up recently because um, it was I think it's still on sale. It was a three dollar PDF, and it's only like forty or fifty pages. So um, it was a three dollar PDF on Drive Through RPG. You know, you know, Phil, I'm a fan of the weird and unusual in the RPG, you know, realm. Oh yeah, uh, that I'm where. Um, I picked up an RPG called Dayfly. Okay. Um, which is like the insect, like the day fly, you know, which is the tiny insect that literally lives in 24 hours and it dies. Right. And the concept is that you're a person that's been through whatever reasons. And there's like three core like ways you could express the setting, like fantasy, steampunk or future, sci-fi future. Okay. But the idea is you only lived, you and all the other PCs, you're only alive for 24 hours. And can you, excuse me, can you complete the session? Can you accomplish your goals in that time period? <laughs> and um the resolution mechanic is fascinating um i kind of want to play with it to see how it it goes but your character doesn't have stats there's no characteristics there's no talents there's no skills your character sheet consists of one special trick that your character knows one thing that has to do with how like basically you you can you can resolve roles a little bit better in a certain way depending on what type of character you are and then notes and that's all that's on your character sheet. The way resolution works is you have four dice that are they're D6s. You get four D6s of one color and eight D6s of a different color. Okay? Okay. If, if you want to do something, anything, climb a ladder, shoot a guy in the head, you know, talk your way out of a crowded room, you pick up your four D6s and you roll them. The target difficulty is either two, three, or four. Now... Or, you know, or higher, potentially. Now, that's not a number that you're trying to meet. That is... You ever play Yahtzee? Yes. You know how you can have to make a run? Yes. Of, like, a run of, like, three dice or four dice? 
Uh-huh. That target number is the number of dice you have to get in a run. Oh. Okay. So if I tell you that your target number is a three, you got to roll your four dice and you have to get a one, two, three, or a three, four, five, or a four, five, six. Huh. And there's like some of the special abilities the characters have allow you to slightly break those rules in some way. Like there's one of the character type archetypes, he has an ability called circle, which allows you to basically circle back around. So you could do a, a six, one, two. Okay. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? Okay. okay. Sure. Um, you know, and there's others that kind of do some interesting things with the roles, but you make your role, and if you fail, you can accept the consequences of your failure, or you can choose to take one of your eight different colored dice, and one or more, and roll it and see if you've completed your chain. Those eight dice represent your your life. <laughs> your, okay, they're your hit points, they're everything. So when those eight dice are gone... You're you're done. Your twenty four hours are up. You have died. It's such a weird concept. Isn't that unusual? It's 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 it sounds strange. It sounds like it fits in like a paranoia type universe. I know. It's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, I am aside from that, I'm a, I'm a, a month behind on this point, but making good progress. I just had a completely unexpected. Well, I had a month of unexpected travel for work. Um, I mean, I was gone for what five weeks. Yup. Um, I'm about a month behind on where I want to be for my uh, my Kickstarter module for the Gamer Nation Con Kickstarter. Um, but with holiday break coming up, especially, I, it's it's going to be out. It's going to be out this month. It's the first one. It's so close. It's so close. And the other thing too is I haven't been able to run um, uh, my my Kickstarter games because I haven't had the new module to run. Um, oh, you're running the module you're writing. Well, yeah. Everyone else has already read the other modules. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the thing, right? Right. So I want to have something new. Um, in my heart of hearts, I'd really like to run something for the Kickstarter players that is that they would never, they will never see. You know, something completely unique. But I just don't have the time to throw it together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's that going on. But it's good. Our backers are great. Um, so yeah, they're supportive. I'll give them that. Yes, they I appreciate are. that. They gosh, they sure are. And the convention that they kickstarted is so well in hand. Airline tickets are bought for special guests, or at least one of them. The other is still in limbo at the moment. Um, oh, oh, Whitwer. Uh, not naming names. Um, bags have been ordered. Badges have been ordered. Button maker. The, the button maker supplies for our gamer cred badges. The swag is has been ordered. You can all just it's it's gonna be great. Awesome. So I'm. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's just very busy around around the uh, the the D twenty Radio Gamer Nation Studios <laughs> banner lately. What about you, man? What you been up to aside from prepping your incredibly awesome game? <laughs> Wait, let me read. Incredibly awesome game. Uh, I get to play a heck of a lot of uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic this week because I was on vacation. Oh yeah. Uh, they just released uh, their latest expansion, uh, Shadows of Revan. Which is a very which really go hard just brings it all pretty much all back to uh, brings it all back to um, uh, the original Knights of the Old Republic one. Uh, it takes place on you know part of it takes place on Yavin and if you remember you actually go to Yavin four in Kotor one you go to that weird oblong space station yeah and as a little bit of a nod it you as you fly by and heading into the moon to land you actually fly by that space station it's kind of hilarious yeah uh, okay interesting. 
Um, I, I can hear your skepticism. Um, I think they did it well. They think they did it really well. They really, really tied in with the the few good parts of Tales of the Jedi and Exar Kun and why Revan is around three hundred years later and mm-hmm. and it's it's it yeah they did a good job they did a real good job it was fun mm. um, but, but naturally because it's a digital expansion and I got to dive into it all week long I played through it so now it's back to the classic MMO grind that all the games are now these days I'm just. I'm done with the grind. I know, I know. Like, and uh, I'm still playing Skyrim, man. I mean, I, I mean, the the couple hours a week I can find to where I, I I'm too brain dead to do anything else. Yeah. Um, and there's, I, I mean, I didn't even scratch the surface of that freaking game. Um, and I got to get my module done sooner rather than later because I've been forcing myself not to buy new console games that are out that I want. I put them on my Christmas list, such as well, Shadow of Mordor. Um, oh yeah, which is you know Assassin's Creed, Lord of the Rings, and I can't <laughs> say no to that. That's just that's just incredibly awesome concept. Who, in their right mind, wouldn't say no to would would say no to that? Um, right. And then Assassin's Creed Rogue proper, um, Assassin's, sure. Assassin's Creed. Um, I, I would I would really like. Um, gosh, what else? What else is on my wish list? I'm, uh, there's some things I'm interested in. Some things I'm really not interested in. Um, so, uh, um, I mean, is there any, are there any hot games that you're eager to play? I'm so far behind in my console games. <laughs> well, PC too. Most of these are PC or console. No, that's true. That's true. No, the, the, that's the thing. There really isn't much that's out right now for like the console or the PC that I really, well, no, that's not true. Um, Sid Meier's new game, um, not Alpha Centauri, what, Beyond Earth. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Beyond Earth looks amazing. I would oh. love to dive into that. Oh, and of course, I, Dragon Age Inquisition. I haven't got yet, and I really would like to get. Oh, that's that was the one that now, I knew there was one. Yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition is definitely on the radar. Yeah, yeah, that that looks like wicked, wicked awesome, and I want it very badly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny how how the whole creative process also just completely saps the day away. You don't even realize it. Oh man, I was doing some um. I was doing some prep work for the game, and uh, one of the things, you know, I, I, I try to make uh, ship uh, deck plans and layouts because, yeah. well, my PCs are going to be hanging out in these ships for the, the forthcoming campaign for however long they have the ship. Uh, and I was doing a deck plan for a Nova Courier, which is a freighter that I believe was first introduced in Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, it was that, that kind of heavy transport-looking thing. With the side, with the sidebar, um, you know, the, the sidebar piloting, you know, the off-center cockpit, the, all that, all that good stuff, kind of a rounded ship, kind of like the uh, the Gallo Free Yards um, medium transports that were escaping Hoth. Yeah. Um, because well, the original ship from the original long shot uh, was that craft, and that craft is making a reappearance as one of the team's freighters. Um, that whole you know that whole legacy thing and bringing it back and then you know, the next generation, but the the old tech you know it, it effectively for my PCs it's kind of like giving them the Millennium Falcon, you know the, the 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 ship that was in the old campaign is in the new campaign again. And so I'm putting together the deck plans for it, and and you know I'm I'm no Chris West, but I'm having a fun time putting it all together. Yeah, and I look up and I'm like, it's four hours gone. <laughs> Where did those yeah. four hours go? Yeah, that that really. But it's a 
does happen. But it's a great looking deck plan. I'm 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 excited to put it into play. Dude, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 mostly just been, you know, taking a week off from work, just getting some serious nerd nerding done. As the wife says, you're gonna go nerd. Yes, I'm gonna go nerd. Okay, have fun. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go nerd. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go nerd. She's supportive in my nerding. It's good. Oh, you got a supportive wife. That's a good thing. Yeah, we are, we are. Those of us who have supportive wives, we are very fortunate. Very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Very, very fortunate to have our supportive wives. Hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, uh, back to the grind tomorrow, and then uh, Christmas in a week and a half. Good Dude. times. Good times. Oh, yeah. I um, I'm just yeah busy. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 very exciting. I um, it will be unbusy at some point soon. I know. I know. I'm so so close to finishing this first module <coughs> in the in in um in my glorious rebel series. It will include. It will the 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 centerpiece of this module includes all four of the space station maps that Chris West designed in his most recent Kickstarter. Uh, I love those maps. And it'll be this massive, massive, and and I think, I mean, I've, I mean I'm mean, i going to publish it. I have no problem. I mean, do, do, have I told you the theme of that first module? I, I think you have, but I can't remember what it was specifically. Okay, so, actually, let me do this. Let me pull it up. I'm actually using that exact same map in in my first game. <laughs> it's a great freaking map, it's and a there's phenomenal so map. much you can do with it. Um, okay, Glorious Rebels. Okay, so the dossier for Mission One: The Man in the Nice Uniform. Oh yes. Um, uh, provide this really wicked looking dossier of the target, who's Moff Jaron Tiga. Mm-hmm. Um, Moff Jurantiga is an upper the mission briefing I'll read it to you Moff Jurantiga is an upper echelon oh, excuse me hang on hang on <laughs> Moff Jurantiga is an upper echelon member of Compnor and a figurehead of imperial ideology beloved by the media he's a vocal and outspoken humanist who frequently advocates the servitude of aliens so that they may be re-educated with appropriate human values to bring their perceptions of themselves in line with their true status in the galaxy. After overseeing the indenture and processing of the Wookiee population for six years, he impressed the Emperor, who has been grooming Tiga for bigger and better things, while utilizing his strong charisma to benefit the Empire and the media. Alliance Intel is aware that Tiga is directly responsible for the creation of at least three secret Imperial death camps on worlds opposed to the Empire, where aliens have been rounded up for summary execution in lieu of enslavement. He's privately regarded as a chauvinist and a womanizer, and has reveled in personally handling interrogations of suspected female Alliance sympathizers. Moff Jurantiga must be dealt with in a manner that shows the galaxy what happens to his kind. Our intelligence has learned that Jaron will be the keynote guest to dedicate a new Imperial transit station in orbit of Coruscant in four days' time. In attendance will be extended Friends of the Empire and the Media. His dedication speech will be broadcast live across the holonet. We want his death to be a surgical strike, but a very public one. The more eyes who witness it, the better. But this needs to be a clear strike, not a random act of violence or terrorism. As such, your team is instructed to avoid any collateral damage and preserve the lives of civilians and other attendees if at all possible. The station is in the heart of the Empire and will be controlled by Imperial security for the event. 
Tiga himself will no doubt be well guarded. We want to hurt them where they live, and show them that no one is safe, no matter where they are. What schematics and security information we have at the facility are attached. As usual, if any member of your team is captured, the Alliance will disavow any knowledge of you, and will not claim responsibility for your actions. Good hunting, Mr. Gray. <laughs> oh, I love it. And that's going to be, like, the the primary. The best part of it, though, and I, I, I kind of came to this... Um, uh, last month, I came up with the idea, but each one of the three modules is going to have a primary objective, which in this case is going to be the assassination of Tiga, right? And that mm-hmm. primary objective is going to advance one of the PC's um, duties. But each mission will also involve secondary objectives that they can choose to get to if they want to risk it and if they have the time. And if they do, it will provide additional enhancement, sometimes minor, sometimes major, to other duties that the other PCs have. Okay. So like, you know, the primary objective, you know, is demoralization, you know, infiltrate waypoint station and assassinate Tiga, right? Secondary objective, like, like for like one of the PCs has space superiority. So steal the current Imperial transit codes from the station's main computer. Um, Political support is another one who his duty. So, you know, secondary objective, ha- slice into the station's main computer and find and retrieve proof of Tiga's war crimes for public dissemination. Uh, you know, sabotage, destroy all research related to advanced cryo storage projects that are on board the station. You know, counterintelligence. And there's, you know, there's others. It, it, they can do these little random things to, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. To increase their duties. And I'm, uh, th- that's, been, that's been a lot of fun. And for, you know... For our one-offs, one-off sessions, it won't probably won't be that big. For, but for a group that chooses to run a continued campaign in this, where they really are dealing with duties rising and falling, the the choices are not going to be clear cut. They're not going to be able to do all of these, um, and the secondaries are entirely optional. But even if they want to do them, it's going to take a lot of really hard work and some amazing checks to do them all. And if they do, they may run the risk of sacrificing their primary objective if they get caught. So it's going to be a an issue of choice for them. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out in the games as they continue. So I'm looking forward to playing these. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Got at least get one of them in. I think we can probably arrange that. Oh, goody. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can probably arrange that. So I'm just waiting for my, uh, waiting for mid January. Cause that'll be the first opportunity I have to get air affair. And it's actually a good thing too. Cause it looks like prices have come down a little. They have, um, they have. So yeah, Dossier 1 is the man in the nice uniform. Dossier 2, uh, the second module that will be coming is Traitor in the Ranks, where the Inglorious Rebels have to, without, well, while making it look like it's not an, an Alliance hit, have to take out a Alliance sympathizer that is in reality a double agent for the ISB. <sighs> All right. Um, but obviously they want, they want to make it look like the Imperials killed him. Um, and then Dossier 3 is uh, called the Mad Scientist, and basically they have to invade a research facility where this dude who was convicted of awful war crimes during the Clone Wars, like this Dr. Mengele-type character, oh, um, has been released by the Empire and is doing projects for them. And so, oh, great. <laughs> and it, yeah, I'm going to have fun with that. Um, and uh, they got to take him out, so... Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I like it, man. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be good stuff. Woohoo! Anyway. Uh, well, I should probably get going. 
Get going. I think that's going to be it for me. going to turn into a pumpkin soon. <laughs> Get going, ya hoser. Get going. Um, <laughs> all right, Gamer Nation. Good night. See ya.